Welcome back to another edition of the No Further Comments podcast, a.k.a. the NFC. I'm your co-host, Alex Meacham, to my left is the talented, very well-informed, usually penless, and a local fashion icon, Mr. Glenn Riley. Just living this Ralph Lauren life, man. It's cold out here. What is it? 15 degrees now? Yeah, yesterday was a was a monster. I went yeah, for a jog yesterday at about 21. And pulled something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we won't talk about that. Hey, front and center in the booth is our super producer, Mario Doremus. How's everybody doing, first MDR. off? Everybody good? Yeah, I'm chilling. Good. Mario, you good? Can't, can't hear you, Mario. So, yeah, I'm just waiting for this game to start. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, we're, we're not gonna talk about that because when it airs tomorrow, people will be <laughs> everything we say will be irrelevant. <laughs> all right. A uh, first of all, a thank you out to all those that listen to our podcast, have been listening from the beginning when we first started, and shout out our new listeners as well that might be out there. And the format of our show is pretty easy to follow. We start off with the Jersey game. This is episode number nineteen, the week of January 9th. And Glenn, do you want to quickly explain what we're about to do? We pick the best players to ever wear that particular jersey. All right. So number 19, you want to start with baseball? Uh, Robin Yout. Yeah, yeah. Known for his mustache. <laughs> we're, we're big on the mustache here on this podcast. Well, I mean, j- just nobody does that now. So, like, when you, when you think about retro players, it was like, you just look at like the baseball cards, you're like this guy. <laughs> um, the late great Tony Gwynn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- deprived, Mr. deprived of a a, a possible um, 400 batting average season by the the strike back in '94 or whatever. Mister Padre. Mister Padre. Tony Gwynn was just the most likable dude, though. Like Tony Gwynn was just always like like happy and stuff. He was, yeah. and, and his and his voice and his delivery when he talked. Yeah, you're just like wow, like 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 it was like a a, a black dude was was affected by nothing bad in his life. He just like like <laughs> man, life is a dream, and that's very rare. Yeah, that's rare. It was no bitterness in the late Tony Gwynn, <laughs> even even when he uh and he died, I think because he was using the um the uh, chewing tobacco. Like he, he okay. yeah, it was like related to like uh like mouth cancer or whatever. So we'll get a quick quick Tony Gwynn story. Okay. So he grew up in California uh-huh. and he was a basketball and baseball yeah, star San in Diego, high school. Yes. At um at, in um he played for uh, San Diego State. Correct. Yeah. Now he he received a scholarship to uh-huh. San Diego State for basketball. Okay. But he had plans to play baseball. But when he got there, the baseball coach really wasn't showing him any love. Okay. So he was he was in basketball and a shortstop on San Diego State's team went to the baseball head coach and said, hey, you need to give Tony a chance. We could really use him. Okay. So the baseball coach said, yeah, we'll, we'll bring him in. Obviously, the rest is history. Tony Gwynn goes on to the major leagues. And the shortstop that went to the coach uh-huh. went on to play Okay. In, in, the, in the major leagues. His name is Bobby Meacham. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bobby Meacham's last name is spelled M E A C H A M, the same as mine. And it's very rare that I don't know somebody that's named Meacham that's spelled the same. But you don't know Bobby Meacham. But I don't know Bobby Meacham. But here's where it gets a little bit more interesting. I, I hope so. When I was young, <laughs> <laughs> when I was young, I used to collect Bobby Meacham's baseball cards when he played with the Yankees. Yeah. And 
the the crazy thing about it is he actually looks very similar to my father, okay. whose name is Bob, Bob Meacham. Yeah, yeah. And when when I first got his baseball card, I turned it over and I said, "Dad, this is weird." I said, "He's from Westminster, California, which is in Orange County." Okay. And the street that I grew up on is called Oh yeah, Westminster. Westminster. Yeah. I'm like, what? What's the deal with this? And he was born the same day as your father. <laughs> no, he, he ain't that old. <laughs> All right, who else we have on uh, on the baseball side? Oh, uh, is that it for baseball? Oh, Bob Feller. I have no idea who that is. Uh, Indians pitcher, um, best known for the fact that he was um, came in the league at at at, at seventeen and was balling. Okay, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. His um. Uh, his career stats are kind of janky because he like fought in the war for like four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why. If you're a star athlete, you can't get out of uh, doing the peasants' work of fighting World <laughs> War Two. Because I would have certainly been pulling that card. Like, look, <laughs> the peasants' work. Look, I mean, come on now, I'm Bob. I play for the Indians, <laughs> sir. Is that it on baseball? Uh, that's all I got. Okay, let's let's jump into football. Uh, Bernie Kosar. Okay. Sp- speaking of Cleveland. Yep. Cleveland greats. Um, Joe Montana, uh, when he switched um, up for the Chiefs, okay, and he couldn't go, um, he couldn't be sixteen for the Chiefs because Lynn Dawson's um, number was already retired or or slated to be retired, okay. But easily number one in football <clears throat> is, is is Johnny Unitas, who Mister what is it, the Golden Arm? Ah, uh, okay, I think I it was the Golden Arm, I think. Yeah, he was pretty much. The quarterback of the first fifty years of uh-huh. the NFL, so like he was, he was the gold standard, so to speak, until mm, probably Montana came along, and then people start to question whether he was the best, and then you know, but he 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 basically redefined what the position was in, in, in NFL. Gotcha. Anybody else? Mm, uh, that's about it. All right, basketball, and obviously we can only do the NBA because college you can't wear number you 19. You can't wear 19. Oh, one last one for baseball, um, Joey Bats. Um, no idea jo- who that is. Joey Batista, known for flipping the bat arrogantly okay, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and, and starting start this. Um, he ticks a lot of people off with that. It's so funny. Baseball people are so precious with the game. My, my, I'm, <laughs> my God. You're disrespecting the game. I, I hate that. That, that, that That's that's the most antiquated attitude. If you feel that way, I pretty much that's all I need to know about you. Like how, how, how <laughs> dare you? He, he walked around the bases a, a, a little a little too slow, and 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 now for retribution for that, I can throw a uh, uh, object a hundred miles per hour at your head. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I wish someone if 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 I was in baseball. I would wear a, a a full face mask. You've talked about this before. Yeah, and and and, and you you throw the ball at my head one time, and and we going at it, and, and I'm keeping the bat, and and you can let your catcher know too, because he getting it first when I'm when I'm charging out. <laughs> so it it just is what it is. We taking the fine, and and no per hit, we're having a brawl. So de- you gotta deal you gotta deal with me walking around this plate and and. and Walking around these bases in the most arrogant style possible. You are too angry. Trust, trust that. <laughs> let's, let's go to basketball for you. Willis Start Reed. Something. Willis That's Reed, right. who came off the bench and and they thought he was injured, but he really wasn't. Scored six points and somehow that was enough to beat the Lakers. Yep. That was, that was nonsense. That that was a, a, a epic. Because because the real story of that game is like 
like Clyde Walt Clyde Frazier has like um forty points in a triple double or something. And yeah, people yeah. Are like, oh Willis Reed came off the bench and right. made his first two shots. Well good job, Willis. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? And hoops. Oh, uh, that's it. Don Nelson apparently wore, oh, yeah. wore um coach. Yeah, n- number nineteen as well. But I mean his playing career is more or less undistinguished in my mind. <clears throat> no doubt. So Nick Van Exel wore number 19 when he played with the Trailblazers. Obviously, he's known for number nine with the Lakers and number 31 with the Bearcats. Yeah. But that's a lot of range. He wore number 37 one year as well. Oh, uh, was that with the Mavericks? I think it was with Golden State. Golden State, you're yeah. right. Because he wore 30, he went back to 31 with the Mavericks. I okay. Believe. Yeah, you're right. A quick. Uh, oh, no, I'm right. <laughs> quick, quick Nick Van Exel story. So Nick the Quick, obviously a Bearcat. Uh huh. When I was young, um, and I was going to campus a lot. My father worked at the university. He was associate athletic director at that time when Nick Van Exel was playing. And I was leaving campus and visiting my dad. I'm, I'm still young, and I'm not at UC yet. <laughs> and I'm leaving campus, and Nick Van Exel's walking across the street. Okay. And so I rolled down my window, and I yelled to Nick, hey, you need a ride. Uh-huh. And he, he knew me just, you know, a little bit from my, my father. Okay. And he says, no, I'm good, man. My, my car's right there. I'm, I'm good. But he goes, I appreciate it. So I keep going. Now, I didn't get to know Nick Van Exel very well. Uh-huh. Years later, he's playing with the Lakers. He comes back to UC for a charity event. Same street, same car. Do you need a ride, Nick? No. Okay. No, no. Sorry. So <laughs> I see him, and he's coming out of the back of the Shoemaker after this celebrity game, and there are a lot of kids trying to get his autograph. He's you know a big star at the time, and he's getting ready to get in his SUV. Mm-hmm. And there's all these people trying to get his autograph. And Nick's very shy. He's very introverted. Uh-huh. And he really didn't want the attention. He's trying to get by. And he's got his buddy with him just saying, hey, he needs to go. And he sees me. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I try to wave him down. He's like, hey, what's up? And I haven't seen him in years. I said, nothing much. So I come on over. He goes, hey, how you been? I said, good. I said, man, I haven't seen you in forever. Remember when I tried to give you a ride? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, do me a favor. I'm, I'm telling Nick this. I said, those NBA socks, I said, do you it, the pair you have? Can I have them? Because okay. he wore them in the celebrity game. Okay. And he goes, man. He said, you a freak. He said, I, I, <laughs> you a freak? I asked me to. <laughs> I would. He said, but these are my only pair. Okay. Now, th- this brings me just to, to this point. The reason I'm telling you this story is because back then, I had to have those NBA socks. Uh huh. And that's when they went from – remember they had the longer NBA socks and then they went to the – about that mid-cut? Yeah. That was the year. And they had the NBA logo on the outside of the sock and the inside of the sock. You couldn't buy them anywhere. Uh-huh. So I wanted to be the first with them. <laughs> Why did they get that – understand that marketing opportunity until 20 years on? I, you know what? And the thing is, so – and this is going to be – I'm going to bring this to something you were talking about as we were coming in. But I called around everywhere. I'm calling Foot Locker. I'm calling every place. Do you have NBA socks? NBA socks. Everybody's like, what are you talking about? We don't have NBA socks. Yeah. So I call the Nike Outlet Mall. Okay. And they had them. So I drive all the way up there. Go. I think it was... Um, Nike made them? No, it was, it was at the Nike Outlet Mall. They just had them there. Okay. So I go up to get them, and they had the NBA logo on the outside part of the sock, but not the inside. They were fraudulent. And they were yeah, so they were I, replicas. I was like, I, I don't want these. I had to have you spent a lot of time for this BS. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, I end up going, this was, I don't know, 
maybe a year later, Nick Van Exel bought a condo in Kenwood. Okay. And he had a little party with a bunch of former players. He stole them. <laughs> I was like, Nick, I got to get some socks. He said, all right, I got you. Okay. Finally gave me those socks. Man, do you know I had those socks up until about two years ago? What happened? I had to let them go. What do you mean you, you wore them down? No, I just had them. I stopped wearing them after a while. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just, I just had them, and I remembered. I, I picked them up. I was like, "These are the ones Nick gave me." But you don't, you, you no longer own them. No, I, I, I threw them out. Oh, okay, what they're just ragtag. They were just rag. They oh, okay. were just ragtag. Okay. But that was the thing. Nick Van Exel was a cool dude. He had more. He had more swag. He just had a unique swag to him. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Like even yeah, yeah. just, just from a how he played style standpoint. Well, I mean. You know, he was mentioned in Crazy in Love. So I mean, what 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 more do you need? <laughs> no doubt. I mean, that's so cold. Like like like, basically Beyonce's first ever single, Nick Van X was the only person mentioned. Yeah, think about that, people. <laughs> you, 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 lames. Anybody else in the NBA? Uh, nah, that's it for me. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the NBA right now. Okay. Going into uh, low NBA talk in the East. In first place are the Cavs, 28-8. and eight. No surprise. A lot of stuff going on with the Cavs, though, Glenn. I, wa- I want to get your thoughts on this. So Cal Corver. They made the trade for one guy that's 36 years old and get another guy who's 35, both shooters for yeah. uh, Mike Dunleavy. So LeBron wants a backup guard. Uh-huh. They had talked about Rondo, who, as far as I'm concerned, is a Chicago Bulls fan. They can have Rondo Man, all they want. That's Take harsh. Him. J.R. Smith out 12 to 14 weeks, just had thumb surgery uh, last Friday. Chris Anderson tore his ACL. He's out for the season. Do you think the Cavs will do you, – you, you think they'll do fine with Kyle Korver? Do you think they'll get a backup point guard? Yes and yes. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's really weird now because we've got these teams just loading up and it's kind of like – I don't understand other teams' desire to help elite teams. Win. It's, all, it's getting to be almost like baseball where you're just like, okay, Atlanta knows they're not doing – I mean, I heard like Millsap might be even even up. It's kind of like, really? Like Paul Millsap is a, is a yeah. you know, multiple-time, um, you know, all-star. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Like, like why – I never understand why teams don't deem their current best player – an asset in order for, you know, doing something else. Like, I get it that you, you know, because, like I said, Philadelphia at least said, look, we are planning to bottom out. But these other teams just kind of like, you know, we're just going to be mid-range, you know? Right, right. It's shameful. So, I don't know. I think these are all good good moves for the Cavs. And it's like, you know, I just don't understand what the other teams are doing, you know, assisting them. But, hey, you know. No, no doubt. So the Raptors are in second place. Celtics are in third. The Hawks are in fourth. And in fifth place is Mario's Indiana Pacers at 20 and 18. The Paul George shoes dropped today. You see those? I was getting ready. I, 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 I have I, those down to talk about. I mess with them. I like them. You like those? But can, can we just say at this point that Paul George is not going to finish in second place or first place in the MVP ranking that that's mario that, that, that's settled law right mario's headset just went on all right so i'm gonna tell you like this the year just started no did, january but, just started <laughs> how, how many how many months has the season been on this is the, the we're talking about january well we were talking about november things are to, heating up in indiana <laughs> the season started in october 
the season can still be rated PG thirteen if you let it. <laughs> I don't. I mean, right now the MVP race is between three individuals: Westbrook, Harden, and LeBron James. I was, was going to say DeMarcus Cousins. Well, no, you, you you weren't going to say that. I was going to say DeMarcus Cousins. No, we're, 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 we'll get to that. DeMarcus Cousins won't finish in the top, I don't know, eight? Because he's not – the team doesn't win. DeMarcus Cousins is, is – is, But is, you can admit that he's a top ten player in the NBA, right? I don't even know about that. He, he's empty calories. He, he's, he's the Monte Ellis of centers. No, he's definitely not the Montellus. Demarcus Cousin is is Cousins is averaging twenty eight point one points a game. He is the fourth leading scorer. Great statistics. In the NBA. Great statistics. So, somebody's got to get those points. Right now, if we formed the NBA team, j- just the three of us, and 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 got the 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 next twelve people we found walking these hallways, and we played the NBA schedule, somebody would average twenty eight points because. The- it 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 would just tend to rate that someone on the Washington Generals. Wait, wait, you talking about of us three and picking some people? Yeah, cause cause the lead. Man, I might have to get a lot of shots. Th- man. That's what I'm saying. The the, sh- the the shots you you shoot, you know, you got the worst teams always have somebody who's like averaging twenty something points. And why? Because that's their best player. He's, he's not going to doing it for for what three years? And they've sucked for for four years consistently. Have they had a, a winning record since when? When's last? We're talking t- about a guy who's consistently over the past three years been in the top ten in scoring and the top five in rebounds. When was the last time the Kings had a winning season? But he wasn't even he wasn't on the team. But we won't blame. Well, he him. hasn't changed that. That's what I'm saying. But we won't blame him for the the, the inconsistency. I'm not going to blame him team. for the years he didn't play, but I can blame him for the years he didn't play. I mean, he has played, and he hasn't changed the 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 culture or anything. But why would you blame him though? If I mean, they're not putting the right pieces around him. They had I think they the had right Rondo p- there for one year, and he led the league in assists. <laughs> what, what what did they do in wins? Wins, Mario. Not not. I mean, not they progress the- as far as wins go. They what well, they missed the playoffs. I think they had like they were in ninth place or tenth place. Oh wow! The Kings are currently fifteen and twenty two. Yeah. And and that's better than I would have expected because that's how, how how paltry the Kings' wins totals tend to be. I'm not saying he's he's a he's a good player, but we're we're in a league in which the center is constantly devalued, and it's kind of like saying you're the number one center is you know what does that mean in 2017 basketball? That's like saying you're the number one one DJ right now in rap in the rap game. Like what does that mean? Like no one you just have a producer, no one has a DJ. You know what I'm saying? I disagree. Well. Speaking of centers, I want to talk about Glenn Riley's Sixers. They're 10 and 25. Joel Embiid is averaging 19.4 points a game, seven rebounds a game. Are you trusting the process, Glenn? I've never distrusted the process. And when Ben Simmons comes back, and guess what? They're not they're not going to be in the playoffs, so you're going to get a, another top pick, and you just keep it going. I mean, that roster is going to be so loaded. If everyone can stay stay healthy and stays with that team, that's going to be a, a, a dominant team. Could you imagine if they get like Lonzo Ball? That <laughs> your boy Lonzo Ball? Yeah, that boy can go. Yeah. Wait, hold on, hold on. I, I gotta I gotta pause this real quick. This man is praising the Sixers, but. It's quick to to disrespect the Sacramento Kings because the Kings are How trying to win. How dare you? The Kings are trying to How win. How dare you? 
Dared I have. Joe LMB is a, is a very good player, and he he may be the best center in the league once DeMarcus Cousins is done. He's th- th- That's a DeMarcus Cousins quote. Exactly. Joel Embiid came in, came in. This is his first year playing. He's a rookie. Though, though we know the, the he, he third, sat out third year rookie. Well, I mean, go you, you go by when you when you first play your first NBA game. Yeah, you I'm know? aware of that. Yeah. So as a rookie, he's better than Demarcus Cousins was as a rookie, and he's given. You know, they played once, and his numbers stood up favorably. In his like, what fourteenth game as a pro, and they lost. Of course they lost. Okay. The, the goal is to lose. That's why why the Kings because you keep getting top picks. You're not trying to win, man. So it's, at what point do you try to win? I think next year once you get once you get the 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 fourth lottery pick and when Ben Simmons is healthy, you know you're not gonna do it when you just have talented big man. If Ben Simmons is healthy, well, I mean if if Demarcus Cousins is healthy. Well, speaking of losing, if Omar Ashik is healthy. Speaking of losing, the Nets have the worst record in NBA right now at 8-28. and 28. Former Cincinnati Bearcat Sean Kilpatrick is playing with the Nets. He's doing very well this year. Um, I'm working hard to get Sean on the show here soon in the future. That's what's up. Um, hopefully we can get him on. In the West, Golden State is 32-6. and six. Thoughts on the uh, Warriors, Glenn? I mean, we're just pretty much headed for – it's just going to be like last year. You have – Cleveland on one side, and you have the Warriors who have a little more comp on on the western side of things, and yep. they'll have to deal with the Spurs yep. and possibly the Rockets. And eh, I don't really think OKC is gonna gonna be a, a issue anymore. And it is what it is. Yeah, I think the Spurs would give them a good uh, a good series. Yeah, I'm tripping that the Rockets though have found a, a winning formula with just. Um, Harden basically just dominating the ball and either yeah. either you know making the um the shot or making the assist. Yeah, I think a lot of people are shocked on that. I'm a big Harden fan though, just because. It, Why is that? First of all, he has an iconic look. Yep. Like no one looks like. I, I was thinking the other day, um, when we were doing the um, people that passed away, did Kimbo slice? Um, was he the the tipping point of? the the beard as we have it now as far as athletes. I can't think of anybody who had, you know, that whole thing going on before him. I mean, it's between him and Rick Ross, but Rick Ross had a different style of beard. Rick, Rick Ross' beard was more yeah. more traditional. Kimbo was the first one to have, like, the, the crazy man beard. What about uh, Brett Kiesel? And uh, and Kimbo is. Slice. But I'm saying, talk about black folks. Um Kiesel, plus Kiesel wasn't 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 on the cover of no ESPN magazine. I mean, there's always been been, I mean, hockey players who grow the beard and 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 um, but I mean, as far as it being a trending thing, plus Kiesel had the whole kind of like the mustache with it, with like he was almost doing like a, a Santa Claus type thing. So, but, but he was known for the beard though. But he wasn't popular. Like no one said, um, the layman didn't say, "Oh, that's Brett Kiesel." I mean that that. But you know, Kimbo Slice on the cover of that ESPN magazine, and that was kind of like an iconic thing. And I say I don't, I don't even know if that predates, but whatever. But but it's not Brett Kiesel. <laughs> well, I think it was. I think you're correct, Glenn. And I also think that it was a popular look amongst a lot of people in Miami yeah. at that time. Okay. But he was just one of the more popular because I I know for a fact that 
there were players on the Florida Gators football team okay. from Miami with yeah. that particular type of beard. Okay. But obviously Kimbo was the, yeah. the one. And Philadelphia on had that whole thing as well, too, because, you know, the – the Ansar Muslims and and Freeway, right, right. They, I mean, they had kind of a different Freeway. style, but um, then they they a lot of those cats co opted as well. But yeah, yeah, no doubt. Let me real quickly back to the uh, NBA MVP. I mean, do you guys think it's it's clear cut that that Westbrook currently is the leader of the MVP? No, I think Harden is really well because they have like they're they they have a way better record, not way better, but they're like six or seven games up on OKC. And when you have a year in which, you know, both of those dudes are going to have the two best stats, I mm-hmm. think that becomes the tiebreaker. And the fact that the Hawk, I mean, the Rockets are considered a contending team and OKC is considered a playoff team, but not one that's really going to seriously compete for a title. I think that's kind of like the difference. Right. You know, like, Oscar didn't win win the MVP of the year. He triple uh, triple double, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mario, and that bothers you, doesn't it? Nope. <laughs> Mario, see, actually, I think that I think Harden is two, and I think Westbrook is one. But I think the the big difference, like, and I understand the whole record concept because I mean that's important. But I think that Westbrook, just because he he's a, a better defender, it'll give him the edge, and like the whole thing of they didn't really. They, I mean, they expected Westbrook's numbers to increase with the departure of, West, or of Durant. Yeah. But I think that whole kind of story, like, you know, Durant leaves, Westbrook has, like, an incredible season. I think that plays a factor as well. Yeah. I mean, I would have given it to him, like, a month ago. But and I think there, there's a thing, too, that people sour on the narrative and people, like, say, okay, we're tired of talking about Westbrook. Let's look around. And Harden had that one year a couple years ago that he won like the players MVP but yeah. didn't win the the MVP MVP. So I think that's gonna be a a factor in it as well. But um Paul George, nowhere nowhere in sight. <laughs> well, hey, let's let's jump into college basketball a little bit. Okay. Uh there's been some shifting. The rankings just came out. Baylor is number one at fifteen and zero. Wow. I, I I couldn't I couldn't name you a, a single Baylor bear. They've got a good team. I watched them play a little bit uh, earlier this year when they when they beat Xavier. I stopped watching Baylor when the cat that looked like like um, a six eleven kid Cuddy went pro. <laughs> Kansas is number two. Villanova is number three. Villanova just recently lost to Butler. Okay. UCLA is number four. Okay. Lonzo Ball. We need to get. Uh, there's a guy that lives in Los Angeles, California. Call him Jersey, and he's big in uh, high school basketball, girls basketball, knows a lot about boys basketball in the Los Angeles area. We need to get him on the uh, podcast to talk about the phenomenon of the Ball brothers. The Ball family. Yes, we need to do that because, Glenn, and correct me if I'm wrong, have we seen anything like what we're about to see with the Ball brothers? If, If everything goes according... Yeah, they're gonna have not only th- not only three brothers mm-hmm. do well from a collegiate standpoint, but they have a cousin too. Oh, really? Is his last the, name Ball? Yes. Oh, wow. They're four. They were at last year. There were four. Okay. Balls <laughs> on the court in high school Man. on the same team. I mean, I just wish they would stay just so that could all happen. Because that would be so crazy if you that had would. A, a, a starting five and four of them were just named. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? You could put the la- the the first name on the jersey, 
I mean, <laughs> I mean, like you know, all of Rick Barry's sons could 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 play. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, th- this seems to be if if we're going just by what they're doing in high school, it seems like it's gonna be you know kind of a phenomenon if, if each one goes to UCLA and dominates. You know, like 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 Lonzo is doing right now, then it's gonna be silly. Cause, right. cause they're just clowning. Like they're playing games. And you're just like, okay, come on. Like you're shooting from half court. Yeah, the the, the, the youngest one. <laughs> yeah, they get they'll, they'll get That's the tip crazy. off and like like shoot like maybe three steps in from half court. It's crazy. On, on some on some Steph Curryness. We're go, we're gonna get Jersey on here to talk a little bit about the Ball Brothers. Okay. Uh, at number five is Gonzaga, who's at fifteen and zero. The only other undefeated team in the top twenty five. Uh, Kentucky is at number six. Duke is at number seven. Coach K's out. Yeah, he's uh, he's out for a couple weeks. Do you know how long he's out? Uh, I've really I thought I heard two to three weeks, something okay. like that. But yeah, and uh, Grayson Allen back from his suspension. And when they played Boston College, he almost tripped somebody again. They're not gonna kick um, Grayson Allen out. They're gonna trip him out. <laughs> pop, pop. Grayson Allen be tripping. <laughs> But no, nah. keep I, it going. Keep it going. You got any more? <laughs> yeah. What do you What do you think about that whole situation, real quick, with with Grayson Allen? How quickly he? I think came Duke's back. going on a road trip. You say what? <laughs> I think Duke is going on a road trip. <laughs> I thought he would have. You don't t- tell um, the press that someone's going to be kicked out indefinitely, and then you know because indefinitely, like one game is almost in, is obvious when you say indefinitely. You think. Two plus, you know right. what I'm saying? It's, it's plural. Right. Like I, I wouldn't say there's an indefinite amount of food I'm gonna eat tomorrow, and that means one sandwich. Right. Like that. That. That's kind of that was really weird to say something that was that open ended. But they lost that first game, so I was wondering did that have something to do with it? That coach Casey, yeah, like, yeah. like you've you sufficiently hurt our team enough that we got a loss that we can blame on you. So now you understand your lesson. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that was a thinking. But, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, what do I care? <laughs> <laughs> uh, ranked 10th, West Virginia. Bobby My Huggins. former coach, yep, Bob Huggins, who recently got his 800th Bobby win. Bobby Meacham. <laughs> he got his 800th win. All the, all the, all the male role models in your life have been named Bob. <laughs> it's true. But you, you missed me. Bob Huggins just got his 800th win. Yeah. Great, great film. That's phenomenal. Uh, if you stick around long enough, you'll get your. Uh, I don't know. Man. You'll get your eight hundred loss as well. I don't know. How old is Bob now? Uh, I don't know. He's late fifties, maybe. Okay, I'm not sure. Late fifties, really? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, hell, he can he continue but coaching because I mean, you know, Dean Smith coached till he was he was um, ninety six. <laughs> remember, Coach Huggins took over. Um, when he when he got the UC job, he was one of the youngest coaches in, uh, the in the college game. He's in his late fifties, and he's he's going to crack he's 60, a thousand. He's sixty three. Okay. Yep. But well, he still got a while to go. I mean, I, I would give him. Yeah. He's only sixty three. A solid decade, possibly. Are you saying he looks older than what he is? No, he's just been around for so long. You 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 compare yeah. him to like like coaches that are you know had the same tenure. I mean, because how many coaches can say they've had a 10-year stint at multiple universities, and I think that's going right. to be, be coming up upon that pretty soon. Well, shoot, he got the, the UC job in 89. Yeah, and he was there till when? Uh, 05. Okay, wow. So so he's already done 10 years at 
He stopped in. He had to stop in the middle, right? Kansas, Kansas State. State. Yeah, so that was what two years. Yep, and then he was uh, 07 to present with West Virginia. Okay, so this is his tenth year, I guess, or, or tenth or eleventh year. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's impressive. Yeah, Huggy Bear. Yeah, at, yeah. At number fifteen, the Xavier Musketeers. I tell you what, of all the college basketball teams in the top twenty-five, Xavier, their upcoming schedule has to be one of the toughest. They go at Villanova next game. Okay. At Butler, at Creighton, then play Georgetown at home, and then go at UC. They've got a tough stretch. Now, they just brought back uh, Miles Davis, who I mentioned, uh, gosh, early in our podcast a while back, who you had no clue. He was re- really, really talented uh, trumpeteer. <laughs> he, uh, he's a movie back about from, uh, uh, he had a situation with a girl. He was beating his he was beating his wife like I, like like the jazz musician I, Miles I, Davis did. I can't I can't speak on that parallel he, he was, you're trying to. He was <laughs> he was he was a heroin abuser in the seventies. I, I, I can't comment on that, but he he's back he's back. It's funny he's back just in time for this stretch of games. Miles ahead. See, <laughs> setting it all up. Now I want to talk about my number twenty two Cincinnati Bearcats. I don't have any jazz references for the Bearcats. Good, Mario. I know you've been watching my Bearcats. We've been looking pretty good. Oh, for the one last one. Musketeers are kind of blue. Continue. <laughs> Mario, let's hurry up before Glenn comes in with another one. You've been watching my Bearcats? Uh, yeah, I have. What do you think thus far? It's an interesting team. It's it's kind of a it's a, a much different team than I've ever seen McCronin really have. I agree. Why, now, why do you say that? And I'll, I'll see if I agree with that. The reason I say it is because – it's a team I feel like, and I'm not gonna say he hasn't had better talent because I think that uh, like a few years back when he had uh, Kilpatrick, Justin Jackson, and everybody, I thought that was a pretty talented team. But this Agreed. team, I think, it has a little bit more offensive firepower where they can score from different, you know, what I mean, different positions. I would agree with you 100%, Mario. That's that's definitely uh, a point I was going to make. Kyle Washington, who I think's been impressive, he's he's been up and down, but I, I think of last game, the Houston game. I mean, he was dominating. But that I think that was a great transfer move, not only for Washington himself, but for the team. I, absolutely. That's that's we've not had a player down low like that in a long time. Since that Danny can, Fortson that can score. <laughs> Well, not only that, but offensive rebounds are major for UC right now. Yeah, and I think with the Bearcats, the key for them is they've got to continue to get better at half-court offense. And if they continue to get better from a half-court offense standpoint, it's going to bode well well for them in the NCAA tournament because you know how you as you go further along in the NCAA tournament, it comes down to half-court possessions. Yeah, And we've struggled, we being the Bearcats, have struggled with half-court possessions in the past. But now, and I think what they did really well the other night against Houston, I thought they had a great game against Houston, was they fed the ball to Kyle Washington and they let it run through Kyle. And what that does is if teams decide not to double down on Kyle, he he's so athletic. He's going to the bucket. He's going to go up for his little jump hook or he can you know pitch it out and he can score, and he did that. If they do double down, you've got Gary Clark now hitting threes. Yeah, you know he he was knocking them down. The guitarist Gary Clark. See, you're just <laughs> Glenn. Calm down, Jacob. Jacob Evans. I mean, and I've I've said this before. Stud. Jacob Evans is a pro. 
and and he's he's playing very well. He can knock the shot down. Troy Copain, you just got too many offensive weapons. When you spread it out and you throw it to Kyle, so many good things can happen off of that. Do you see the same thing, Mario? Yeah, no, and an interesting fact real quick about Jacob Evans. I just saw, like, a statistic. He's averaging 15 points a game uh-huh. and then one of Sean Kilpatrick's best seasons. Uh, you see, not his senior year, but I believe it was his junior year, he was averaging 13.8 yeah. points a game. And everybody at that time was, you know, talking about his transition yep. to the pro level. Yep. I saw that. Jacob Evans is only, a, what, a sophomore? Yep. Yep. That's cr- If he stays out four years, there's no doubt in my mind he'll be a first-round pick. Oh, yeah. I, I'd agree with that. He's a very talented kid. So it's going to be interesting to see. They they really have to get the monkey off their back and beat Xavier in the Crosstown shootout here, what, late January. The the league, the league's not that tough. The, the, the dangerous – position you see could get into is they should win their conference games yeah. and if they lose some of them they're bad losses and that hurts their you know I think Joe Lenardi just came out with his potential seedings he had UC at a uh, number a number six seed <laughs> way too early for that oh yeah he, he does them before the season yeah no, I hate that it's so, it's so but the but the one thing that does is it, it does give the fans a perspective of how important some games are and how they affect your uh-huh. seeding. And I agree, it is it is early. Well, take for example, you know, but Joe Lenardi said that Xavier potentially is a number four seed. Now they've got five games coming up, yeah, that they can totally propel yeah, themselves. But yeah. I mean, I think most educated people can say like, okay, if you're in the top sixteen, that transfers to a top four seed. Mm-hmm. Like you just you just right. divvy up the rankings into um, four team. <laughs> groupings and then go from there on the bound. I, I I hate when they do that. You know, Joe Lenardi comes and speaks at the University of Cincinnati. I don't care if Joe Lenardi speaks to speaks to my 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 grandmother bedside. Well, he better. <laughs> Joe. Yeah, he comes over to UC and speaks about how he comes up with all this stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a real science. Well, uh, we need to keep track of this. Um, some of these basketball teams in the, in the coming weeks because I'm interested to see how Xavier does and how the Bearcats continue to get better with their half-court offense leading up to Cross our show shootout. talking about the Crosstown shootout. Because I, th- I think this Crosstown shootout is going to be – going to be one of the better ones in the past decade. Absolutely. And I, have a, it, I have a question, though. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. What's your question? So the most interesting matchup in that game, what are you taking away from it? The Crosstown shootout? Yeah. You know, to, to be very honest with you, I'd have to watch Xavier a couple more times. I've seen bits and pieces of Xavier, and I need to watch him a little bit more. I know when I watched him early, they struggled a little bit on offense, and I know Max said that he was working hard on changing up some things offensively, and it looks like and appears he's done that. And Sumner, Sumner's incredible. So that Sumner, potential Sumner-Jacob Evans matchup. And that's is, exactly what I was about to hit for. Yeah. I mean, Sumner's a pro. Like, there's no doubt about it. Sumner's a pro, and Jacob Evans is a pro. So those those two going at it. Do you see that dunk Sumner had the other night no, coming I, down the lane? I did. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's a good player. Well, you know, Miles Davis' um, top producer was Bill Evans. All right, see, now you're we, – we, we better move on. Uh, just quickly, uh, next episode we are going to talk about tonight's matchup that's going on, and that is number one Alabama taking on number two Clemson in Tampa. And we'll cover that a little bit more. We're not going to touch on that too much tonight because it's going on while we speak that's right <laughs> well can i get predictions real quick no um we'll, we'll have reviews <laughs> i would say alabama but i'm saying why, why 
people are going to hear this tomorrow and they're going to be like, girl, you're wrong. You know, so it's kind of like. Right. That's that, also a prediction. I, you know, yeah, but I'm saying, but but why why put yourself out there? Because everyone says, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, why? <laughs> you know, and the thing is, I, I just was not excited about this game. I'm not either. I don't know 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 what's the um the reasoning other than you go through the whole thing and it's basically the same as last year. Right. And, and that plays into it. And it doesn't even feel like it's gonna be a different result, basically. It's like Alabama's still the favorite. Right. You're still the underdog. You still had the better quarterback, but you know, what can be said? Yeah. Well, hey, I want to jump into a little bit of NFL talk. Let's talk about the wild card games. I know last uh, episode we had on Rob Parker. Yeah. And uh, he made some predictions, but the wild card games were blowouts. Yeah, they weren't really, um, you know, just the home team kind of did their thing and, and, and scared it. Yeah. Houston beats Oakland 27-14. Seattle beats Detroit 26-6. Pittsburgh beats Miami 30-12. to And Green Bay defeats the Giants 38-13. to yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what we've been saying, that there's a whole lot of mediocrity in the NFL right now, and the teams that are just on the border of getting in aren't really that good. Like, the the four teams that lost, I'll give it to the Raiders, that the Raiders, you know, because they lost yeah. their quarterback were... Well, two quarterbacks, right? Yeah, but I mean, that that just decimated them. Like, they were a real squad, so I don't want to act like like putting them amongst the the mediocre, mediocre teams in the league league this year. But, um, you know, like Detroit, no one, you know, no one respect anything from them. No one really, I don't know how much you could expect from the Giants other than Eli's pulled out playoff magic before. Uh-huh. I mean, the Texans won, but it's like, you know, Miami was kind of fool's gold as well, also with a backup quarterback. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. So did did you think that this would happen? The games that uh, the teams that won, yeah, I think to a to a to a game the the likely team won. The, uh, I thought it would be um, a little bit um, closer in the outcomes. But yeah, I, I expected the results. Well, here's what I want to do. I'll take a look at the divisional playoff games, and I want to bring in a special guest. Last week we had Rob Parker from Undisputed on, but this week like to bring in a very, very special guest who was born in Canton, Ohio, and grew up in California. And if you know him well enough, you know he's a huge Dodgers fan. Oh, okay. Played college football and basketball at the University of Cincinnati. Played basketball for Bob Huggins. Oh, wow. Third all-time leading tackler in school history. Drafted by the Dolphins in 1998 and made his home with the Ravens and won a Super Bowl in 2001. Currently doing TV with Comcast Sports on the Ravens uh, kickoff show, and he's doing a lot more with with TV, and I'll let him talk about that. But I'd like to welcome in my former teammate. Former teammate. My Bearcat brother, Brad Hollywood Jackson. What's up, Hollywood? What up, Beach? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, I tell you what, you, you bring it out like that. I may have to come out of retirement and let you bring me out the tunnel a couple more times <laughs> the way you bring me out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did, did, hey, did I get everything right? You got hey, it don't matter. Once you said Hollywood, I knew the lights were on. It's time to go. <laughs> you are you are Hollywood. Well, hey, I'm here with uh, my co-host Glenn Riley. And uh, welcome, hello, Glenn. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Good to be hey, here. Whatever you do in life, 
you will get through heaven's gates for having to deal with me. So I'm telling you that right now. You're <laughs> oh, good. Man. I'm, You're I'm good. halfway there. <laughs> You're good. Hey, well, hey, tell tell everybody what you got going on these days. I know you got a lot going on. We we talk quite a bit, but but let everybody know. Yeah, well, uh, now with the Ravens sucking this year, uh, we're, oh, wow. we're not in the playoffs, <laughs> so we uh, we're they're not in the playoffs up here. So usually. You know, duties number one because our, our dad, my oldest is uh, Callie. Um, obviously, you remember her from when I had her yeah. school meets, and yep. uh, she's a junior at the University of Delaware. Oh wow! On the dean's list, double major business. Brad Junior is a freshman at Towson here playing baseball. Uh, he may hopefully potentially transfer University of Cincinnati, but he he, okay. he just turned seventeen about three weeks ago. I mean, turned eighteen uh, about three weeks ago. So he he needed to be home a little bit. I had to do the uh, the Cecil Newton like Cecil did Cam, and he had he had to keep him close enough where he could reach out and touch him. So Brad yeah, Junior yeah. is close enough where I can keep not one but both feet in his butt uh, and, and stay on him uh, as he continues to mature. And then the, the baby girl, she's a junior in high school, and um, actually we leave in a couple of days to go to Florida for one of her softball tra- travel tournaments. That's pretty much all my time. Uh, you know, I have three businesses that are very successful, been extremely blessed uh, for that part of it. Um, you know, and uh, a couple of Domino's Pizza franchises, a national company called carchecks.com, C-A-R-C-H-E-X. So if you guys need any extended warranties or uh, it, or uh, pre-purchase inspections on a vehicle, um, come check us out at carchecks.com. And then I have go. a radio and television production company uh, that's that's doing a lot of cool stuff. And and then I'm on TV uh, and in and, uh, radio as well. So on TV, I'm on Comcast and uh, sports here in the Mid-Atlantic and NBC Sports Network and Tuesdays in Connecticut uh, on, on occasion. And then I college football for three networks for american sports network espn and uh and and comcast sports which has the colonial athletic league which james madison dukes just won the national championship so yeah. that's uh, one of the teams that i uh had the, the pleasure of uh, doing a couple games this year so busy doing the fall brother but this is the time where i can finally relax and unwind and uh uh-huh. and uh you had me with the pizza. enjoy football so yeah, you had me with yeah, the pizza, man. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, trust me. Try, I'm trying to get up to Papa John's level. He nah. just uh, he just crossed a billion. So congrats to the, to the Papa for you know nah. hard work. That's the only thing is keeping Louisville years. going, man. You gotta you gotta get get uh, be a booster for UC with the Dominoes get, gets popping like that. Yeah, it's hard though. Donato's Donato's is some good loving. We just don't got it out here on the East Coast and the Mid Atlantic, okay. but you know. Always, whenever I get a chance to come back, which is usually, unfortunately, only during basketball season, uh, because obviously my obligation is football. Yeah. Uh, don't get too many opportunities to get back to uh, football games because the bye weeks never work out where the Bearcats are at home. And right. So it's uh, so. Other than that, that's that's what Brad Jackson is doing right now. Getting old. Trying not to get fat, getting bald like meat, and uh, the struggle. <laughs> it is, hey, the struggle is real up there. So I'm fighting. I'm like, I'm like Ronda Rousey holding on to the little bit of hair I got. You know, I, I'm taking a punch and I'm standing, but I'm dazed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell uh, tell us about your time at UC. You did a lot at UC, and you left as um, not only a great athlete, but I think also a great personality that left the uh, university. So talk a little bit about your time there. Man, it's, it's, it's everything that I love. Uh, I was honored and fortunate to be around guys like you and 
uh, you know, meets and, you know, the things that we did and, and the, the memories that yeah, man. we still have from traveling, uh, you know, and, and trying to win games when we knew that year, my senior year, there was so many guys that were getting suspended. The NCAA at that time was still on the witch hunt for Coach Hugs. And, yep. yep. Um, and we battled, you know, the Rock Row Shootout Classic. There was, what, six or seven of us that played against the ranked UMass team. And, yep. We found a way to battle back, you know, I think down six or eight with a minute to go and, and end up winning that game. And that was, you know, an unbelievable uh, time there. And then just being a Bearcat, man, it's, it's, uh, I tell people all the time, and there's actually, you know, Ray Lewis could tell you this, and there's, you know, Cornell Brown, Jamie Sharper, Peter Bulwer, linebackers that play with Baltimore. Like, there's always uh, a joke around here at One Winning Drive, which is our the, the our, where our facility is here. And I was over there a couple of weeks ago, right before the uh, Pittsburgh game on Christmas, mm-hmm. um, or that Friday before. And you know, I was joking with Ozzie Newsom and telling him that the SEC was soft at Alabama. You know, his alma mater hadn't played anybody, uh-huh. and so people always say, "Well, what is a Bearcat?" So my response has always been, from the moment that anybody knows me, step outside and I'll show you. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's about being tough. It's about There's being, no about you know, that. having it, having character, having integrity. I mean, uh, literally 30 minutes ago, I just was yelling at Brad Jr. a little bit, uh, and I was using some, some quotes that Mick Cronin and Bob Huggins, you know, had used on me, you <laughs> yeah. know, 15, 20 years ago. So, yeah. uh, you know, about being, you know, if you're on time, then you're late. Yep. If you're early, then you're that. on time. And this knucklehead was late to uh, driver's ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was, <laughs> you know, they made him reschedule and I had to, I had to do the dad thing. So I was just digging in his butt. So those are the things that you remember. And just, you know, when I get back to go back to school and seeing how much it changed, we all know UC stands for under construction. And I learned that in 1993 yeah, yeah. when I got to campus and it ain't changed, Man. but uh, the relationships, the friendships, you know, the fact that the school has done phenomenally academically yeah. with so many universities and colleges that are now ranked, you know, high in the nation. And, uh, and you know, hopefully Coach Fickle, you know, uh, will do a great job in, and uh, taking the program to the next level. What do, what do you think about uh, that hire? Do you, you think that's a good hire? Uh, I, I think it's a good hire. My concern is, and I was, uh, and, I, and I'm candid, you guys know this, I don't yep. sugarcoat anything. Uh, my my concern is that you know in two to three years he'll be, you know he'll be like Coach Fleek who I did two of his games you know up there at Western Michigan and mm-hmm. he was like I'm never leaving my wife is from Kalamazoo <laughs> and, I, and I and I and I exactly and I actually said it to Mike Gleason who I do games with on ESPN you know when we did uh, one of the big games that they had at the end of the year and I was like that Joker soon as Indiana you know Coach Ferentz ain't leaving Iowa. But as soon as Minnesota, Indiana, I threw out like three sorry Big Ten teams, uh-huh. and I was like, he's gone. And then ironically, he gets a job at Minnesota. Yep. So that that would be my concern. As soon as the other Big Ten, one of those Big Ten teams don't do as well, then they're going to come back and thinking because that's kind of how you see you see it in a pro game, you see it in a college game where uh-huh. you know these these administrators to think that, oh, if I get Coach Fickle, then he's going to have some inside knowledge about how to beat Ohio State. And it's it's almost like, you know, and you see a lot of schools do that, but at the end of the day, you know, most SEC schools, they still ain't beaten. You know, I think four or five coaches have got hired from working under Nick Saban. They still ain't beaten. Yeah, yeah. You know, Rule number one, and, get, uh, get 35 star, star recruits every season. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that may help. Yeah, do that. So I, I think it'd be a good hire because Luke's an Ohio guy. He understands. He has a footprint recruiting wise. I already saw some right, kids right. that you know were com- were thinking about going to like Purdue, and yep. you know they're going to stay home. And that that that's that's one of the things that happened once my crew, Sam Garns, Chris Hewitt, Bobby Tate, Arturo Hawkins. Once we were able to kind of change uh, the culture of Cincinnati and get back on winning, then you had guys that said, "Wait a minute, why?" Why go to Michigan State and sit for two, three years when I can come to Cincinnati and be a part of something bigger? Right. Like the kind of Barwins, you know, the Kelsey kids. Mm-hmm. You know, all those guys had opportunities to go to other places and bigger schools. And, and you know, they, they decided to come to Cincinnati. And, you know, it worked out for them on campus. And obviously it's working out for them at the next level also. So um, that's the thing I'm being proud about. And obviously in 2010, you know, being extremely humbled. I, I think about it every day I walk you know, uh, of being put into the Hall of Fame, the Bearcat Hall of Fame. That's after right. The greatest, you know, Oscar, I always say this, and I say that at my induction speech, Oscar Roberts may be the most famous Bearcat of all time, but the greatest Bearcat of all time was Mr. Kelly Sr., and I and I truly believe that. And yeah. Just honored to be in uh, the, that Hall of Fame. It's just, yep. um, it says a lot, and it's it's humbling every day, and uh, and you know, when I joke with guys like Kyle Ripken Jr., who are, you know, a bunch of us old fat athletes get together and play basketball, you know, a couple times a week. And mm-hmm. Kyle obviously didn't go to college, he, but he's in Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. So, you know, a bunch of guys are tra- talking trash, just you know, and uh, and I always remind guys there's only two of us in the Hall of Fame, and that's Kyle's in MLB, and I'm in the Bearcat <laughs> Hall of Fame. So. When it comes down to decide if there's a jump ball or who gets possession, it's either one of the two Hall of Famers can speak, and <laughs> I always laugh about it. So, but oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know uh, you. So that's the I know you let them know, Brad. You always let them know. Um, oh, hey, no question. Hey, I want to jump into the uh, NFL divisional playoffs. I'm going to talk about uh, the first matchup. Let's talk about Seattle at Atlanta. And what, what do you what do you see out of that game? Ooh, that that's going to be a tough one. I, you know what? When you look at what Atlanta has been able to do uh, this season, you know, and, and just playing phenomenal, you know, Matty Ice, I mean, unbelievable second in the league, almost 5,000 yards passing, first in, you know, yards per pass at just under 10. You know, he, he had the NFL lead in touchdowns until the last game when Aaron Rodgers threw two to win the division uh, on that Sunday night, you mm-hmm. know, with 38 touchdowns. Leaves the NFL as the highest rated quarterback, 117. So, you know, that offense, second overall, fifth in the rushing, third in passing, and first in points is absolutely phenomenal. But as a as a world champion and playing on the greatest defense ever set foot in the National Football League and talk that you know, talk. Defense, <laughs> defense wins championships. And and that's the thing that a lot of people don't they forget that defense wins championships. So because Atlanta's defense conversely, and I know they won four in a row and won five out of the last six. But three of the losses, guys, have came in the dome, which is surprising because I hmm. I interned coach down there when Mike Smith was there, their thirteen and three year, and uh, I mean once that dome is rocking, it's hard to, I mean you can't you you can feel your heartbeat, you know, and everything yeah. is shaking. So the house that um, Ludacris built, yeah. And, but the the thing is, you know, Julio was obviously second in the league uh, with you know over fourteen hundred yards and. His touchdown numbers were a little bit down at only having, I think, six or seven. Devontae Freeman, pro bowler, came out of nowhere, had a phenomenal year rushing over 1,000 yards. And I think that's been the biggest key to that offense is 
their balance, something the Ravens didn't have and something a lot of teams don't have. So, uh-huh. you know what, I think Seattle hasn't had anybody run the football. They're still looking for Marshawn Lynch's replacement. Yeah, Rawls well ran the football well last week, but I think if they can control the time possession and run the football, and, and Russell Wilson is a champion. So you never want to count out the heart of a champion. I know the Seahawks are missing Earl Thomas, but they still got Cam Roman, you know, Chancellor back there, Roman, and they still got a, uh, you know, Sheed and uh, and obviously Richard on the other corner. So and with Michael Bennett, those dogs up front getting after Matty Ice, if they can get an early lead and then control the running game, I, I can see Seattle going in there. And the and the and the doubt start to creep in in Matty Ice, who you know, who when he's had these big years offensively, they found a way to lose it in the playoffs, if you remember. So I don't trust Atlanta. Um, that that yeah, I don't trust Atlanta either. But I and I just know that defense, you know, it, it's hard to do. And I've been in those meeting rooms this time of the year, you know, going to the playoffs several times, and, and obviously winning it all that. I know when we played Oakland, who was the number one offense, and Tennessee was the best team in the NFL. And, you know, we had three weeks in a row, and then the Giants were the number two offense and had just put 40-something on Minnesota. And, you know, this is this is grown man football. And our coaches challenged us. We challenged each other man-to-man on defense to say it's not going to happen on our watch. And we know Seattle, that, that's their calling card, is, is playing that defense. So I, I can look for this being a slugfest. And I, I I think Seattle can go in there and uh, and pull out a, an upset victory. So you're taking Seattle? I'm going to go with Seattle. I'm, I'm okay. going to ride with the defense. I don't trust Atlanta. I just don't. You know, I, I just it's just something about them. You know, I know they and they only beat four teams outside of the division that had a winning record. So I think they beat up a lot of bad teams. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and and you know, and that's why they were under the radar because a lot of football people and eh, we haven't really seen them play no real dogs yet. They played a lot of poodles, but they ain't played no pit bulls. It's fool's gold. Yeah, exactly. Spaghetti. <laughs> exactly. That's a great one. <laughs> so I'm steal that one for TV next time. <laughs> <laughs> just send me my royalties. <laughs> so we got a uh, we got Houston at New England. Oh, that's just, that's I mean, easy. That's just talking <laughs> about. I mean, New England. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Captain America, New England. I talked to uh, a good buddy up there. They Tom Brady is on a mission. He is pissed off. He's on a mission. He wants the commissioner to be forced to hand him the Lombardi trophy, uh, which will be Mm -hmm. his fifth uh, in seven Super Bowls, which will take him past the great Joe Montana and obviously make him the greatest quarterback to play in the history of the game. And Uh after serving that four game suspension, I have a line for that too. If, If he gives him the Lombardi trophy, he should squeeze it and say, say, uh, it feels a little light. <laughs> well, one, I already know Goodell because I know how the commissioner is. He going to hand it to the owner. Okay. And he going to dip off. He going he to go stage left real quick. <laughs> go, avoid that photo up. He gonna, he's going to avoid that by all means oh, necessary. Wow. But, you know, Houston, I know they got the number one defense, uh, total yards, and number two against the pass. But, you know, Tom Terrific and them on a Brady. I mean, they you can't – and I know this when the Ravens played them a couple weeks ago and there was a lot of hype. You know, they have five guys with four-plus touchdowns. You know, there's like no gronk, no problem. It's pretty much been their their model. They got seven players that are averaging over 10 yards to catch. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so – and, and then they got a little bit stronger. Michael Floyd gets a DUI, gets kicked out of uh, 
Arizona and they get a, a thirteen, a former thirteenth overall pick, uh, and a guy that had a thousand yards a couple years ago in twenty thirteen. So, and when you got time terrific back there pulling the trigger, as I like to call him, old twelve gauge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's just spreading it around to everybody. It, it makes it difficult. And their defense is playing well, winning seven in a row. I mean, this. You know, their defense will give up yards as they did against the Ravens and a bunch of teams. But they're the number one team in the NFL when it comes to giving up points, which is all I really care about. You know, points and third downs is the only thing that defensive guys really care about. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll be 25th in giving up yards, but once you get in that red zone, you, you, you'll put your, you put your foot down on the throat and choke them out. Gotcha. So Pittsburgh at KC. Ooh, you know, I think Saturday games are pretty much pointless. <laughs> I mean, Atlanta uh-huh. could be, but... Sunday's games are, are, are is for ballers only. Uh, you know, I, I, Pittsburgh and Casey's tough. I, I know uh, Pittsburgh beat the brakes off of them uh, way back. I think it was week three or week four, forty three fourteen. Big Ben threw for five touchdowns on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, you know, Le'Veon was Bell. I mean, the Killer Bees are they're probably one of the hottest teams, averaging over thirty uh, points a game since they won what seven, eight in a row. They finished the season on seven, then they won Sundays, and uh, so I just I, I think Pittsburgh uh, will be able to go in there. And the reason why is because Kansas City rush defense is giving up one hundred twenty-one yards a game, twenty-six guys in the National Football League, and as dominant as the running game. You know, this is the you saw what happened Sunday, the first time the Killer Bees were all together, which is pretty ironic. That all those guys been in the league, you know, four, five, six years, and been obviously a little longer, and this is the first time they've played a playoff game together. Yeah. And hmm. Antonio Brown is is just, I mean, the hardest working dude and yeah. one of the best wide receivers in the game. Obviously, considering his size, you know, he he absolutely destroyed Miami. Uh, and you know, when they he had two touchdowns, only sixty four yards in, in the game against Kansas City back in Week Four, but. You know, when you put two big ones up on them, you know, two 12-packs up on them, you know, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a good day of living. And Ben was just phenomenal at 22 or 27 for 300. And like I said, five touches. So I, I just I think Pittsburgh right now, because the way their defense has moved up the charts and they're playing better, I think they go into Kansas City, even though Arrowhead is one of the coldest, roughest, toughest places yeah, to man. play, you know, once it's rocking. And the Chiefs won five or six. Well, but, Ben's food was know, in a, bo- a boot earlier today, though. Man, you know that. Listen, that's <laughs> what you used to do, me. That's that old Michael Jordan rule. You play hurt, you play sick. Man, we used to do one-on-one, and me should be like, man, I'm tired. I got out of class. And next you know, he's standing behind and give you five threes in your eyes. Yeah, he's freaking you know, uh, behind us. Exactly. You know, I thought you was tired from class, and you didn't feel good. Well, my he used to say, well, nothing wrong with my hand. My jump rate broke. I don't feel good. My jumper is always good. So, uh, <laughs> so that's listen, current players, former players that have played against Ben know Ben is doing that for a show. Yeah, Ben will be there Sunday, or ain't no question about it. When they when they go to tee off at one oh five, Ben is going to be there. And uh, the only distraction could be obviously former Steeler linebacker coach Joey Porter was arrested after the game. What an idiot! Yeah. You know, talk about supposed to be a leader. So I hate Joey Porter. <laughs> I, I, I played against JP, and you know he he's a California dude, and. But he's uh, he he hasn't figured out that he still is uh, he he's retired. So yeah. you know who I, I, that the interesting thing is one the preparation side of it because all the coaches you're breaking down film to help with the game plan 
And now that he spent last night in jail, which means who knows what happened today with the Rooney family and Mike Tomlin, you know, and if he's going to be able to assume his coaching duties, because if not, that puts all that extra study and film breakdown, that puts it on somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And plus he runs the meetings for the inside linebacker. So who's going to run the meeting, you know, for Ryan Shazier and those type of guys, that, you know, if he's not allowed to be in the building, It'd be interesting to see how Mike Tomlin handles it because I, you know, as you saw from last week with the with those knucklehead uh, giant wide receivers that want to put all their business on social media, that the, even though it wasn't wrong what they did, the timing of it was wrong and the perception of it was wrong, and more importantly, the distraction where right. all week long you had reporters asking different guys, "Where'd you go? What'd you do? Right. What'd you think?" But How'd it's worth feel? it if you get the crying crying Jordan meme though. Oh, it's, that's the best thing ever. I, I literally, I, I almost used the bathroom on myself when I saw the one of them jokers sitting on the boat. Yeah, I cleaned it out. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Hey, oh my goodness. Uh, but yeah, so that that's the that's the only concern I have for Pittsburgh. But I see Pittsburgh, you know, again going on the road and uh, okay. and, and taking care of business, packing the defense, packing the running game, and Bell Brown and Ben are are absolutely on fire right now. And moving on to Green Bay. At Dallas, who probably the probably the toughest one of the weekend. Uh-huh. Aaron Rodgers is on fire right now. We all know what he did. Led the league with forty touchdowns. You saw what he did uh, in the, in the game against the Giants, where the first half he looked, you know, he looked pedestrian. In the second half, he was Aaron Rodgers. And you know, the the difference is is neither one of their defenses. Dallas's defense is like fourteenth overall first and stopping the run, but their their Achilles heel guys is mm-hmm. they can't stop the pass. They're twenty six in the league stopping the pass and we know Green Bay ain't trying to run the football no way. And yeah. they they're actually seventh in the league and in the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers and distributing it, you know, to the weapons that he has out there. I mean, I don't know if Jordy Nelson is gonna play, but you know, when you're talking about, you know, the fact that he's got fourteen touchdowns with Jordy and then you got Devontae Adams who had twelve touchdowns and, you know, and everyone is forgetting Randall Cobb. And Randall Cobb came up with the biggest game of them all in the wild card game. Man. So, you know, and, you know, they got a wide receiver, Ty Montgomery, playing running back. He's playing tight end. He's playing wide out. Mm-hmm. You know, and he he's just a weapon, you know, wearing 88 back there. So, uh, but Dallas's offense, is they want to run the football. And that's actually Green Bay's biggest asset on defense is they're actually pretty good, only allowing 95 yards rushing the game but I, I so I don't know if I want to go with it's the first time in the playoffs thinking of my first experience and you're excited but you know when you're the quarterback and you know if he struggles in the first half do they go with Romo do they do they make the switch in the third quarter you know like there's all this whole crap uh, all this whole you know bottle of crap that's been going on all year and Dak has done a phenomenal job at being a third-rated quarterback in the league. I mean, he's only mm-hmm. behind the two MVP candidates, Ryan and Brady, um, and Zeke running the football. But, you know, they dominated them. Uh, they played them earlier uh, in the season, week six. Dak was in three touchdowns in Lambeau, which no one thought that was, you know, that they were going to, you know, win that game. And he went undefeated, and Zeke ran for about 160 on them. Uh, and, you know, so I, I, I think Dallas can – can run the football and control time possession and then limit Aaron Rodgers' opportunities, then they should have the opportunity to have a big win. But this is by no means you can see that the great quarterbacks 
both of them on Sunday on the road, Big Ben and, Ro- and Rodgers leading their teams to big upset victories on the road. Um, but I- I'm going to go with Dallas because I okay. just want to believe that they'll be able to run the football and and, and Dak and, and, and Zeke uh, and be able to do what's necessary. But I tell you what, Green Bay's defense has played better than what I than what I saw. They got the old guys going. They must have gave them some some of that good juice in the locker room, uh-huh. and, you know, uh, to get them going. Because you know, Julius Peppers, you know, looked a little younger. Obviously, looked like he uh, he was phenomenal as well. Now how old is um, that guy now? Like thirty eight? Who Clay Matthews or Pe- Peppers? Peppers got to be at least thirty seven, thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, he's up there, and. Uh, you know, so he still has seven and a half sacks this year. You know, his numbers were a little bit down. He only pretty much plays in passing situations, but that's going to be the problem. You know, they're going to face a team in the Dallas Cowboys and that offensive line, guys. As you know, they just want to line up and knock people off the ball and maul them. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I fully expect that to happen and, and then to the control it. And Dallas defense scares me, you know, and if it gets into a shootout, then the advantage could go to Green Bay. But if, if Dallas does what they should do, which is control the time, run the football, and, and as long as the offensive coordinator, Linehan, doesn't start getting carried away and trying to throw it all over the place because there's more people watching because it's a playoff game, they should be fine and, and getting out of there with a win. Because uh, we all want to see Dallas, you know, and, and you know, you, you would like to see probably Dallas and Seattle is what I said would be my dream matchup for the NFC Championship, and I want to see New England and Pittsburgh. And okay, then so that, that would be a great that would be a great championship Sunday. That's what the NFL then, wants. <laughs> that's the, hey, that NFL wants that New England Dallas Super Bowl so bad they can't they can't even they can't even help themselves. Or they'll take Dallas and Pittsburgh because of the rivalry in the seventies. Yeah. But you're talking about Dallas versus the Patriots. Man, they don't know what to do with themselves, especially because viewership and ratings right. have been down in the NFL. They could probably make it all back in one day. Right. So, uh, so with, Sunday. with that being said, give me your Super Bowl prediction: the two teams that'll be in it and the score. Ooh. And the things score. Change week, things change from week to week, buddy. It's, it's hard. One injury, as you saw with the Oakland Raiders and, and Derek Carr, one injury changes the whole. You know, right. output of their season. If Derek Carr's there, they they're going to win the division, and they get a first. You know, they get a first round by. You know, and they're playing. You know, whoever. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm going to say that I I just think Dallas running the football. Um, it it scares me because I know Seattle's defense. So I want to go with Seattle. I, I just think once they get an NFC championship, but. I, you know, that they would be able to do it, Russell Wilson, and them being able to handle their business. But they haven't ran the football. So, uh, uh, it's tough. Why you put me on a spot like that, guys? Uh, come on, come on. I'm going to say New. I think New England is the best team. You okay. know, I'd love for Pittsburgh to go. I think New England has the easiest pass. I mean, Pittsburgh is no would be no walk in the park. But, you know, if Pittsburgh doesn't take care of it, they'd beat the brakes off of Kansas City anyway. Uh, so, I'm going to go New England. New England, Seattle. I go New England, Seattle. I'm believing in this defense, and I okay. And you know, I just you know, or maybe I should go New England, Dallas. What do you tell me? This is pretend we're in college and help me cheat. <laughs> You're the expert, man. I'm going with you. I'm going whatever. Hey, you I'm s- not an expert. I, I'm, I'm a dummy. They pay money to have an opinion. That's all it is. My but no, I, I mean, I think, like I said, it's it's just tough. I, I believe in Seattle's defense. Okay, 
I, you know, but I also believe in that running game when you run the football and, and I would like to see Dak just being a rookie fourth round pick. The whole story would be great. Yeah. You know, with two, two rookies just going to the Super Bowl. Um, and that, that's, that's just tough coming out of the NFC. If they win, the, I, if they win the Super Bowl as rookies, I mean, oh they, they are, cl- this is an off season worth, 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 worth of clowning. Like, like, can, I mean, they've got to fight. They, they, they run the world at this point. They would spend the retire. summer. You got to retire. There's yeah. nowhere to go but down. Oh, I tell you. you, I mean, you, you, you come back year two and y'all don't win the Super Bowl and, you know, mess around and be like Dan Marino and play 15, 19 years and never get back. Oh, my goodness. There's but, no gold chain big enough for, for, for them this summer. <laughs> and, and then I would just hope that they just do the right thing. You know what <laughs> Good luck like, with that. Be smart. Yeah, you know, just be smart. Don't do anything stupid. You gotta you know? get, you gotta get what, the White House again in Dallas. You gotta start it all, oh, all over. Man, great stories. Eric Williams, one of my teammates here in Baltimore, he came and uh, he came here and played with us. And Eric Williams used to sit down and tell us stories. And we, no joke, guys, we would we would go to E Dub's locker and he would just tell us stories about the White House. <laughs> and we would sit there like Santa Claus was telling the story the night before Christmas. Oh, I mean, man. we would sit there like. Tell us more. Didn't you? Oh my goodness! The Man. stories that you heard, that you know, and obviously some people have put yeah. books out there. Just yeah. Now they don't. No, they could never have the White House again in this day and age of social media, where somebody, oh, yeah. everybody's out there. One you, narc will mess up a good White House. <laughs> oh my goodness! Hey, oh my goodness! Hey, hey Brad. So, um, uh, some people know you were going to be on the show today. So, someone asked me to ask you a question. And I know you're a straight shooter, so I want to get your opinion on this. During the season this year, the Cincinnati Bengals didn't live up to expectations. They've had some injuries, and a lot of the fans thought Marvin Lewis should be fired. Uh, Glenn, my co-host, was in Marvin's corner the entire year and felt that Marvin should keep his job, should be here next year. A lot of the fans... Because they failed because of injury. A lot of fans thought Marvin should go. (laughs) I want your opinion do you think that Marvin Lewis should have been fired or some said he was going to retire? No, I, I, I don't think he should have been fired. You, you, you guys remember I lost one game in my entire career to the Bengals. That was the game we circled. It was like when we played, you know, at University of Cincinnati meets and we saw Winthorpe for the Christmas <laughs> tournament. You knew we, we knew we were going to have a chance to get, you we know, were the Browns in the game. <laughs> right. And, and so what, and give credit to to Mike Brown and the Brown family, and I know they catch a lot of flack, but the the Bengals fans have to understand, it's hard to win a championship. You know, look around the league, it's hard to win a championship, especially minus this year, in the toughest division of football, Marvin Lewis has won. We're in one of the divisions with two competent teams. Like like year in and year out, you have two competent organizations. Well, you have have three. You have Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Baltimore that – yeah. You know, and we've had, what, twice in the last five, six years, all three teams have made the playoffs. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it's tough when you have a year of injuries and a lot of time this day and age. And the a first-place schedule. And the fans, exactly. They can get these knee-jerk reactions, uh-huh. and all of a sudden it's, uh, we got to fire this guy because we got to go with the microwave version. Right. The world nowadays doesn't understand. You you got to prep the food. You got to let it bake for four hours. You can't just let's make a coaching change after fourteen years and say we're going to tear this thing up and come in there. You know, part of the other factor is people are forgetting that you lost a great offensive coordinator and coach 
in Hugh Jackson, yeah. who is now in Cleveland. So now you have a new coordinator in Andy Dalton's ear. There's a different, not a different philosophy, but a different way of doing things. And that's going to have its bump in the road. And let alone you're meant, you, you lose four of your top offensive weapons. You don't have AJ. You don't have Tyler. You, you lose Geo. You know, Jeremy Hill, obviously, he played most, you know, most of the year, but, but he wasn't, he wasn't <laughs> healthy. So, and then defensively, we all know, you know, that they weren't as good defensively as maybe they got a little comfortable, you know, like Reggie Nelson one of the left. things where Reggie went to Oakland and made the Pro Bowl in Oakland. Yeah. So this is a guy that, you know, was a Pro Bowl type player, even though he hadn't got the nod. And then he goes out there in his first year in Oakland and, and I talked to Jack there real weekly and he was like, he was one of the best, he was like what Eric Weddle was for the Ravens okay. and solidifying the secondary here. Reggie Nelson was the quarterback of that defense and, and the leader in the locker room with a bunch of talented guys. And we know they brought Bruce Irvin in from Seattle and Khalil Mack is a young stud and, you know, player of the year, but you still need that veteran voice. And, you know, we had Tony Saragusa, we had, you know, Rob Burnett, Ray Lou wasn't our guy. You know, he was the dance guy in front of, you know, the fans and all that. But when it came time to talking in the locker room at halftime or on the sideline, it was those veteran older guys, which is what the, the mm-hmm. Bengals lost yeah. in Reggie Nelson. So now, you, when you look at that defense, who's going to be the guy that when stuff is hitting the fan, hey, guys, let's relax, focus, do your jobs, play your fundamentals. You don't have that guy out there. And, you know, unfortunately, because, you know, Von Chance is probably one of the most talented linebackers, but he hasn't gotten to that level yet. You know, He doesn't Ray have a leadership injured. personality. <laughs> right, and, and not yet, and he, and he may, he'll, yeah, he might he, develop and that, believe, and I believe he'll mature to that as the older you get, just like I did, and you know, it's one of those things where they all those pieces they weren't very good on special teams, you know, at some point in times either. Obviously, they cut the kicker, you know, because the guy that had been, Boy. you know, rock solid and stable. I mean, right. so and you lose. Three games. Me, all, me thinks one. that's all Marv, Marvin Lewis's fault. I, I never said that. <laughs> what happened is Mar- <laughs> don't, Meech don't. was at a function hey, with hey, Marvin Lewis, and Marvin Lewis didn't shake his hand, and it's been all all downhill since then. Uh, no, he did listen, shake my hand. It was a weak handshake. <laughs> and coach is coach. That's what I exactly. would tell players. And I've been on both sides of it, you know, as far as every year. I, and I helped the Bengals out in 2013, uh, coaching with Marv, you know, out there every year. I go help out in training camp. Oh, okay. And so I've been internal. I, I know what it's like in those meetings. I know yeah. how they're thinking and what they're doing. And I, I believe in what Marv is doing. And I think it was right for them to give him another year versus make a knee-jerk reaction off of one bad year. And I know they haven't won a playoff game, but, hey, you don't even get an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl if you're not in the playoffs. Ask us in Baltimore, here in Baltimore. You know, right now we haven't made the playoffs, you know, in two years in a row. John Harbaugh, former Bearcat coach, you know, is on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they wanted him to fire the offensive coordinator, which would have been our sixth offensive coordinator wow. for our franchise quarterback in six years. So he decided, hey, I'm either going to bring this ship into the harbor or I'm going to go down like the captain on the Titanic with the band playing. I so want the Ravens to change their uniforms. I'm going I'm I'm to send you out some, some some designs for the Ravens uniform. That's that's long he, been one of my, my goals. Yeah. He's been you talking about Nike. He's been talking about this for a while, Brad. He 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 does not <laughs> like the Ravens uniforms. It's one of the few teams that I'm I'm, I'm struggling with what to, how to make black and purple with a a, a, a tinge of gold work correctly yeah well 
again, the the gold is for the Super Bowl rings that we got, and uh, and the all black is nice. I, I hate the the ones that they wore on Thursday night. Uh, those Thursday night uniforms league wide are horrendous. The yeah, I don't, watches, I don't, yeah, that, that's... Uh, we 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 look like Barney running around out there. We, it was like it was like forty five little gremlins. Yeah, I can't you know, approve uh, of those from the McDonald's running around. This terrible, this terrible. So uh, it's not what you can do. We went purple and black because those were all part of Edgar Allan Poe's color scheme. Yeah, so which was which they was try to keep it all in place. But Zion an NFL and team is based on a a. a a author's poem, but <laughs> yeah, well, it, he was from here. So yeah, yeah. It was, it was, you know, I mean, some yeah. of the other names that they came up with. Trust me, Ravens was the best one ever. Yeah, I like the, the know, names. So. Cool. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm gonna I'm work on something. I'll, I'll get that out to you. So, <laughs> yeah, they want, yeah. you do it. You do what you can, and I'll I'll, I'll cut you in on it. Hey, hey but I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, Brad, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and I, I just want to put out there that you are definitely one of my favorite teammates that I've ever had through all of sports. Uh, definitely your personality when we played, your leadership. Am I higher than Bobby Brennan? That's all I want to know. <laughs> well, yes. I'm below, Bo- Bo- I'm below Bobby? No, you're you are above Bobby. But the, Here's the difference. Bobby led I'm, by – I'm above Bobby and, and, and at least above Ruben and Melvin, then I'm good. Oh, Because I know easy. I'm not going to be above Ken. I know, I know you and Ken – yeah, yeah, and, and we we all are close with kid, but I, I yeah, know yeah. you guys had a special because once I left, you still had you guys still had a couple more years together. Yeah, yeah, no, so. no, no doubt. And I, I also I appreciate, man, you do a great job, and I always tell people um, a lot of times you judge people on how they reach out to you. Um, during holidays, birthdays, and remembering stuff like that. And one thing you do a great job. That's about women say to me. You you always <laughs> you always do a great job of saying Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and and all that stuff, man. You always reach well, out. Well, it ain't for everybody. I do it to the people that I'm close to, brother. So I, appreciate I, that, I love man. you. I bet I, I love your father, who obviously changed my life, and obviously uh, you know your brother Tone down in Florida. Yeah, yeah. So the the whole Meacham family has, has been impactful for me. I've always been jealous of of the wonderful family that you guys have, and consider myself to be one of the fringe guys. But obviously, Mister Meacham, the your fifth Meacham, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. You can be a Meacham. It's I'm, the all fifth good. I'm the fifth one. I'm the, I'm the fifth one. <laughs> like <the> Brady. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show, and we'll definitely get you back in. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about NFL as uh, as we get closer to the Super Bowl. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Glenn, Meach, thanks for having me, brother. Y'all continue success. Keep doing big things, and thank you for having me, man. Love y'all, man. Have a, and happy New Year. Same to you. Take Same care, to you. Now. Appreciate it. All right, Hollywood. We'll holler, man. All right, baby. Be good. Yes, sir. Go Bearcats. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. One of my, definitely one of my that, – that's how he was. Yeah, yeah. During practice, everything. Just always talk. Just, just a great guy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, and this this is a segue right into our theme of our episode. Usually, we go into um, a person's life as our theme, but for this episode, we want to talk about an award show that went on last night, the Golden Globes. The Golden Globes. Did you have a chance to watch the Golden Globes? I did. Uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press <laughs> pick picking uh, picking the best from um, America cinema and, and TV. I thought that was one of the Best award shows that I've ever watched. Well, it certainly was the blackest. <laughs> well, I, I think I think it was I think it was one of the most diverse. Yeah, it was. And and there were moments of funny, there were moments of serious, but it was not overdone. Yeah, and I thought it was just a a, a perfect mixture. Um, 
And and I'm gonna talk a little bit. You know how I am with hosting. I know how you are with hosting. And I I I liked I liked Jimmy Fallon. I I I still I will always um look fondly upon that first Ricky Gervais year where he just said yeah. He, he, <laughs> I know you. He he did not care. Yep. He gave zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. Well, let, let me let me talk about this real quickly, and this is gonna you know just slide right into the uh, the whole award show. But quickly, the the history of the red carpet. Okay, the red carpet started in listen, this four hundred fifty eight BC. Oh come on! No, so uh, there was a play, uh huh, and and in the play it depicts a Trojan a, a, a war. It was a war, and the, the Trojan war hero returns home. To find a crimson carpet rolled out okay. by his wife for his arrival. And you're used to this, right? That's pretty much um the the routine whenever wherever I go to a woman's house, I say, <laughs> um, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need for you to break break out. Whatever car I look, I, I I don't I don't I'm not strict that it's red. I just need carpet leading from from, from the whip <laughs> to, to the entrance of, of the doorway. So so then in nineteen twenty two there was a premiere for Robin Hood. Okay. And there was a red carpet. <laughs> the silent film Robin Hood. Wow. There, there was a red carpet that was laid out for, you know, people that were, you know, being introduced and coming in to, uh-huh. to watch this. And in 1961, uh, the red carpet was introduced to the Academy Awards. The okay. problem was TV sets were black and white at that point. So who could even tell? So so they would talk about the red carpet. They, they, would, they would they would talk about about look at uh um, Cary Grant walking the gray carpet. <laughs> so you know later on it became a fashion show. That's that's what made the red carpet such a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Bette Midler, Cher, Celine Dion, Whoopi Goldberg were some of the people they highlight as um, people that changed the red carpet by what they wore you know, okay share was wearing some crazy stuff Whoopi goldberg everyone would be formal and she'd come in some yeah wearing some jeans or in some, some converse chucks yeah and, exactly and, and pantsuit or whatever and in 1994 joan rivers hosted the glowing globes uh, red carpet for etv and she's the one that they credit for really changing the red carpet for you know every station you know you've got uh, nbc cbs everyone has a red carpet now but she's the one that really changed the game because no one wanted to host or report from the red carpet at that point. Okay, and and she did not hesitate to throw shade. It, yeah, well, here's the thing. She said that she was pretty much down and out with her career, like she was kind of feeling down. And her okay. uh, daughter knew somebody at E and recommended that her mom do the red carpet. And said let you know let her kind of get out there and do her thing. Yeah, and she came up with the phrase Joan Rivers did. Who are you wearing? Okay, and that became the big. And that phrase. became Glenn's number one pickup line with with women <laughs> with, with, with 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 children who are who are dressed halfway decent. Well, here's how the game changed. So Joan did this, and it was well received. And so the next awards show, when Joan was doing the red carpet, Denzel Washington came up to her. Okay, and Denzel said to her, "Joan, all the way from the hotel in the limo to the red carpet." I watched your show. Okay. And I couldn't wait to hear what you think about my outfit. Okay. And then that really took it to like now Julia Roberts walked right up to her and uh-huh. goes, What do you think about what I'm wearing? Okay. And then things just took off. Well for the dudes, you're wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> like how could if you just know 
Like, like, like you're doing something different. Like, oh, she, she's roasting everybody. Yeah, but I mean, but it's tough to roast if if you're if you're Denzel Washington or, or any of like the the top fifteen Hollywood leading men. Like, what what's gonna be her criticism? Like, I'm dressed in a a, a Tom Ford tuxedo. Right. I'm right. in. It's mainly the women that are gonna pull something wild or have a a weird hairstyle or something like that that's gonna get get her. You know, because the 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 punchlines are the funny thing, right? Like, so it's either, oh, you're wonderful, you did a great job, you look like a princess, or you know, you look like a, a wet mop or something, right? It's, it's just crazy, yeah. Well, I love the red carpets, and I thought it was interesting last night at the Golden Globes red carpet. They have Al Roker out there, and, and, and I'm just like, <laughs> Al Roker, Al Roker is from Joan R- Rivers is 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 a, is a large contrast. <laughs> Al Roker, I give Al Roker credit. From the time he started NBC as a weatherman to he's all the hustle. things he does, he's out there, man. <laughs> he's on his he's on his grizzle. Jenna Bush last night. I don't know if you saw this on the red carpet. Was interviewing Pharrell. Okay, and she referred to the movie that he was in as Hidden Fences. Yeah, instead of Hidden Figures. Yeah. Then it's accept- it's, that's acceptable. Then okay. During the show, Michael Keaton referred to the movie as Hidden Fences. Okay. So it was twice. I mean, oh, wow. basically they're mixing up two black movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Don't let them slide, Glenn. I, I, it, there, 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 uh, there are more things to be mad about on um, on um, Meacham's Facebook page when he when he <laughs> when he's simply paying a compliment to Michelle Obama than, than, than this. Incredible, right? Yeah. So I, I really thought Denzel Washington's role in, in um, Figures was really one of the best movies of the year. <laughs> Well, hey, last night, as I said, Jimmy Fallon hosted it, and I thought he did a great job. Okay. He started the show off. With a montage. Well, yeah, he did the montage. He always, he's always good at that, or, or his writing team. Those are pretty good. I don't know. It, it that, that, that feels cheap to me. Well. Only person I want to see doing a montage is, is Mr. Billy Crystal. And beyond that. I don't remember his. Billy Crystal always does um, an Oscars thing where he somehow like they superimpose him into the films, and then when he when he does the official um, Oscar monologue after uh-huh. he cuts a few jokes, he does songs, and it's always off the hook, like like a a, a song and dance number. And and in the age in which a, a good song and dance number is truly a rare thing, Billy Crystal knocks it out the park every time he does it. And he comes out maybe every. Four or five years, yeah, he's they, not they, out they, much. they pull him out the, out the bullpen, yeah, and, yeah. and he and he's just as fresh and throwing ninety. <laughs> well, I thought Jimmy Fallon did a good job when his prompter went down. Okay, he's got to kind of that was the start of the show. His prompter goes out, and he's just got to you know basically um, you know improv <laughs> Obama and, and mess with the crowd and all that good stuff. So anyway, I, and I thought he and what I like about Jimmy and I, I know we've talked about his show before. Uh-huh. I love Jimmy Fallon's show. I know you don't think it's great, isn't that right? Yeah. So what I what I think's unique about I, mean, I don't dislike it. I mean, I don't know. I I don't really. There was a time in which talk shows gave you something that the rest of the culture didn't give you, and now it's kind of like it's everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's nothing to see a celebrity. Um, you know what I'm saying? Celebrities are interacting. You almost get too much of it. So it's like, I don't really know if the, the art of the celebrity interview is really being, you know, 
perfected the way it should be. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of like, I don't know. It, I don't feel like I have to view it anymore. And I don't feel like the monologues on a daily basis are knocking it out the park with the humor. So all the shows. Are, I would agree with that. Totally. Yeah, it's just kind of like a, a, it's just the same. It, any any network you watch, it will be the same amount of enjoyment. I don't feel like I'm getting getting anything more or less from Colbert or more or less from you know, whatever well, the other ones are. I would say I think some of the other guys are better interviewers uh-huh. than Jimmy Fallon. I yeah. definitely think – I don't think he's a great interviewer. Yeah. I think his ability to get his guest to 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 make them seem normal. Yeah. I feel like he has better guest performances than, than, than as far as, like, musical acts than, you know, like he's super cool with, you know – um Timberlake, you know what I'm right. saying? So he, he has a little more bang in that department than the other ones. But I mean, I love Kimmel though. I told you I was on the on a um um panel when Kimmel yeah, first yeah. came out. Yeah, that, that was a weird thing. But yeah, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. But so so last night Questlove was the DJ or musical arranger for the event. And um I, I was just it, it was one of those moments I had when I'm watching it and they're getting ready to go to commercial. And, and, you know, they've got Questlove on the stage, you know, mixing and all that stuff. And, he, and he's playing Gangstar. Yeah. I saw his wondering, like, 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 this is super black because every time they went, <laughs> every time they went to a commercial, yes. they were playing something like, like man, like they're playing um, just to get a rep. Yeah, I, I was I was like, wow. Because I'm hearing like, okay, maybe that's the original song. Like, no, that's, that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's pre- Premier's work right there. Yeah. So. Did you know that uh, Questlove and Roots have been on uh, Fallon's show for seven years now? Wow. I don't know what they, I mean, I guess that that just shows you how much different the money is when you when you actually have real money as opposed to like cats touring or whatever. Right. Because they had to have said to a man, no, just living in New York, doing this every night is more lucrative than us being yeah. a rap band touring. And that's wild to think that considering how much respected they are but but i mean it's like they've got to be making probably five times as much money as they was made and it's yeah. like it, it's bizarre yeah because you would think i mean that tour money is unbelievable and especially like a cat like like black thought like you're rapping yeah like you're not really i mean i'm sure you rap i mean you rap it at, at the you know what i'm saying but that's not your primary thing to do as you know because quest love is the band leader even right. though uh, Black Thought is the front man vocally. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, I don't know. It's like, it it just shows you how poor rappers are getting getting knocked, knocked around. <laughs> that if you ain't like Drake or, or, or Jay or Kanye or one of like the people in like the top eight rappers on the planet, you, you're the, you know, if you're not, if you're the ninth rapper, best rapper on the planet, you would fare way better being a band leader on a late night talk show. <laughs> right. Well, let's go over some of the winners and some of the moments from yeah. last night's award show. So, best motion picture drama was Moonlight. Have Moon- you seen Moonlight? No, I haven't seen any of these films. I, I know. I, I, hear I haven't either. I hear it's excellent. It's like, um, it's in like three parts or whatever. So, I feel like I, I, I need to like see all these films to like really get up my 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 lexicon of, of even to have an a, a educated opinion on them. But like, Everyone who's seen it, like Facebook friends, say is, is excellent. So yeah, and you told me that you're getting ready to go see La La Land, which won Best Motion Picture Musical Comedy. Yeah, I want to want to check that out. It looks like it's um, 
it's good but even even still it's kind of like an odd film because it's really it's like it takes place in modern la but it's kind of done with the sensibilities of like older film it's one of those things like who am i gonna take to see this right. who's gonna really get that to the degree that i'm I'm gonna understand that so it's probably gonna be a a, a solo tour but <laughs> but but that, that saves me that saves me me, me an extra 10 bucks you're gonna be by yourself in the back of the. I'll be a, uh, yeah, cry, crying with a uh, with a with popcorn and Twizzlers. <laughs> Best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama was Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. Another film that I'm like, you know, that, that, that that's Ben Affleck's brother, but um, I don't know. Apparently, um, um, your boy turned that down. Yeah, um, yeah, and he, he made a a joke that um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon um, yep. turned the role down. So, do you know what that's about? I don't know what that's about. I don't know much about it. I mean, we're I'm, just ignorant guys talking about award shows. <laughs> I need to go watch some of these. I, I, yeah. I I'm, I'm familiar with the people that are in them. I, it's something that he has to take care of of, um, like a kid maybe or something. Like somebody dies and he has to to come in or so, something okay. of, of that effect. I need to at least watch the trailer. I feel like I've, I've done everyone a disservice that I didn't even bother to watch the, the trailer of films I'm talking about. Well, how about the fact that, did you notice this, that I would say probably 90% of the middle-aged white dudes on the show had a beard? Yeah, it, it was, It was. Um, John Hamm mentioned that. Yeah, it was, it was like beard night. It was crazy. Well, you know, it's because of uh, um, of um, Kiesel for the Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Not Kimbo? Yeah, Not Kimbo, like, like Kimbo yeah. <laughs> well, best performance by an actor in a musical uh, or comedy was Ryan Gosling in La La Land. And I thought his speech was great when he won the award. Okay. Uh, he talked about, uh, he talked, and it was, it was, I thought it was well delivered where uh -huh. he talked about he had a newborn. Okay. And his wife held it down for him so he could go do the movie. Otherwise, he would have to go. He almost had to turn it down. Okay. So I thought he did a nice job with that. Half of Hollywood is either named Ryan or Jennifer right now. If you take away the Ryans, you take away the Jennifers, you're, you're left with like um, 35 people. <laughs> Best performance by an actress in a supporting role, Viola Davis for Fences. I like her. The more and more I see her and hear uh, her talk, I like her. Okay, yeah. Not I, that I disliked her yeah. in the beginning, but I'm just growing more and more of an appreciation for her. You were calling that picture figures before yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> hidden figures but yeah she um i didn't real i didn't realize she was from she grew up in rhode island okay yeah i, I noticed her accent i didn't know there, there were any of us in rhode island <laughs> i've been the, there i've been there twice real small state right yeah yeah well you you, you played um rhode played island there yeah I hung out exactly. with lamar odom yeah lamar odom is, is uh is um viola davis's um um, stepchild yeah bro, <laughs> that's, i'm gonna go with brother on that one but okay stepchild yeah, I, th I thought Viola's speech that she gave um, to give the guest of honor Meryl Streep her award. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, definitely. I wonder what point do we have a an African American award recipient that no I, longer feels it, it, it entitled to play up the fact that 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 of of all the people who did. You know what I'm saying? Like like at a certain I point, the same thing. I don't want to act like. I'm I'm disregarding the the shameful history of, of 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 the poor aspects of Hollywood, but at the same time, you feel like okay, every single time you don't have to like shout out like 
you know, <laughs> Dorothy Dandridge or, or like the legacy of like, like of those done wrong because we're really taking these awards pretty, you know, semi-regular. You know what I'm saying? Like right. last year when, when there was no um, like black nominees, it's kind of like, well, yeah, percentage wise, you, you're really on a short of that. You know what I'm saying? And like this year you have like a bunch, you know what I'm saying? So it's going to be, I don't know. And I, I, I was saying online that I think there's kind of a moment going down that um, black people are kind of the can, the canary in the coal mine talking about like how things were in America. And I don't think people really got a hip to it fully until Trump won. And now, like, all the liberal white people, especially on the coast, are kind of like, okay, yeah, maybe you all were right. And somehow that's kind of uh, fashioned a lot of um, pro-black sentiment. Mm-hmm. And I think yep. that's going to really come come the award season now. We're, we're starting to see that that pay dividends. Not that these films didn't did deserve it, but I think there's certainly – that's kind of a mood in, in, in the room right now. Well, I, I, what you said earlier, I really felt that when the best performance by an actress in a TV series, comedy, or musical went to Tracy Ellis uh-huh. Ross for Blackish. Yeah. And she got up there, and I think they said she was the first black pers- person in 50 some years okay. to win the award. And they kind of, you know, I, I kind of yeah. felt what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's because it's weird because it's like, do we even, like, like, I'm sure if you gave me the complete ledger of um, available awards for the Golden Globes, probably half of them have never been won by an African-American. But each time that happens, is it really, you know what I'm saying, like if you say best supporting actor in a television sitcom. And that's never happened. And you get up and win and you're like, oh, man, you know, I want to thank like, you know, Michael from Good Times and, and Casta really, really <laughs> paved the way in, 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 in the supporting actress realm. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Malcolm Jamal Warner, uh, you know, the, the, the list goes on. Rudy. Theo, Theo <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just like, w- would you, w- would that necessarily be, at a certain point, you get that you're the first person to do something. I mean, sometimes I go to movies and I'm like, yeah, I'm the first black person to 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 set foot in the Esquire to see this film. I, I, I'm I'm relatively confident of that, but I'm not gonna thank other people who were the first. Like, yeah, I want to thank um, um, Gerald Davis, who was the only um, black person to watch on Golden Pond in, in 1983. So, it is what it is. Well, I, it's, it's 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 progression, I guess. Well, well speaking of that, um, there were a couple awards that went out last night to uh, the People vs. OJ. And Fallon made the point. (laughs) (laughs) Applause. Fallon made the point. Nobody thanked OJ. Shameful. Shameful. They won best television series made for TV. It's crazy that that both that series and the documentary were in the top handful of of television. I mean, that was produced this year. And I mean, you know. And you know how I am, Glenn. I'm fascinated with yeah. the whole O.J. Simpson trial. Yeah, between O.J. and, and John Bonet, Meech has got you covered. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's another one coming out in John Bonet. Okay. So, yeah. But go ahead. I'm I'm always wondering if there's gonna be any transference that somehow those, those the the cast of characters do they overlap in any? You know what I'm saying? Uh huh. But um, yeah. I mean, 
it's such an interesting story, and and I'm I'm glad that people are doing, um, you know, with with twenty years under our belt to kind of come back and review the times. I, mean, I thought that documentary was excellent, and and then I was really yeah. l- glad to see the uh, the lady got the uh, who played Marsha Clark because mm-hmm. that that was the one episode of that featured mainly her story within the um, the uh, People vs OJ Simpson was was arguably the best episode of television this year. It was just like, like, wow. And you really don't, I don't think people get the pressures, like the, the additional pressures that women have in the workplace that right. men have and like how they're effing with her. Like they don't like her new haircut and she's dealing with her ex-husband and she's got to take care of the kids and if she gets home late, it's different from when a man gets home late because you don't have to pick up the children, and uh-huh. and she's asking the hus the ex husband to to stop what he's doing to to pick up the kids, and it's it's off the hook. And I mean, you know, and and she portrays that well. So kudos to her, and kudos to Marsha Clark. No doubt. Well, was well, speaking of that, let's talk about Meryl Streep's. Uh, speech and yeah. her, her comments that she made, and obviously they were directed at Trump. You think? And there were there were a lot of people uh, that took offense to that from a standpoint on your thread on, on my Facebook thread. That's right. They they feel that people in celebrity type positions should not make political comments. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I think they should. <laughs> and why is that? Well, because. People need to know that the people that they admire feel a certain way. If you don't like Meryl Streep after this, then you'll have to watch her movies. And Meryl Streep is comfortable with that. But what happens is you people do like Meryl Streep's movies. And now you know how Meryl Streep as a person feels. And you might want to um, reconsider your opinions on something because someone that you... I mean, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if if, if famous people didn't make people who didn't know them reconsider their views on stuff. I don't know how much progression is can be made. Like like Michael Jordan was pretty much apolitical throughout his playing career. But I believe, you know, wholeheartedly that because of who Michael Jordan was, he made it more possible for a world in which a Barack Obama could be elected president Mm -hmm. because if you idolize somebody it's very difficult for a child who thinks Michael Jordan is super cool when he's seven years old to be the type of uh, uh, have the opinions on black people that say a seven-year-old may have had in 1950 so you know I'm, I'm all for um, activism and, and and you know Meryl Streep, who's been you know pretty much universally on point. You know, I mean, a case can be made that that Meryl Streep is the most accomplished person doing anything on the planet. Like her resume for acting is just it's just unprecedented. Yeah. It, it, I had to look it up last night during the award show. It's crazy. It, it, it it's it's like twice as much as, as the net you know, number two. Right. Like she's nominated literally every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a film called her a few years ago about um like this computer app that becomes like your girlfriend or whatever. It mm-hmm. was, it was a big film. And, um, um, Ellen DeGeneres was hope, hosting the award show and she made a joke said, um, and her was nominated. And by her, I mean, Meryl Streep. 
<laughs> now, now, so with that, I, I want to take going from Meryl Streep and what she said and, and her comments to uh, Donald Glover. Yeah, and the show that he's involved with, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that creatively he put together the whole project. Is that correct for Atlanta? He, yeah, he, um, he, you know, he's you know he's Childish Gambino, the rapper. He was Troy on the show Community. He was a writer on Thirty Rock. He did stand up comedy, so he had a lot of momentum going. And I think FX was just kind of like, okay, we'll give you your show, and then like here are like the stage, you know, here are mm-hmm. like the writers and stuff. And he was like, no, I got this. And he basically picked his own like a uh, uh, dude he collaborates with, and and picked like his team of writers and everything just kind of for scratch and like filmed it. And I mean, cause they're not even coming out with a, a season next year. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like they entrusted him to like do the project and critically is considered basically the best show of, of 2016. And I mean, it's only like eight episodes, but it it's, um it's pretty remarkable. And, and, and the episodes, though, it's kind of a, a, um, it's a it's a journey from plot for for maybe episode one to eight slightly, but each episode kind of stands on its own as its own thing. Oftentimes, and it, it's really like interesting, um, you know how some of the episodes took place. And I mean, you know, shout out to Migos wow. who, who, who were on the episode that that was that was really wow. They had one episode that was um called that was got a lot of attention called Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. And they went out to um, his girlfriend had like a mentor and she's married to like this white guy that's like really into black culture. And he was like doing um, like beat poetry and he's just sitting there like, like what, what is this? And he's trying to be like super nice. Uh-huh. And they had a scene in which um, the, the, the wife was talking to his, uh, his girlfriend and she was like, I know my husband's crazy. Can you believe he told my 92 year old, grandmother that she was making her collard greens wrong <laughs> and that's one of the lines that sticks with me. <laughs> but yeah i was happy to see him You've been, uh, one, one, one two I, I was i was hyping this show up for a while yeah you you, you told me on a couple of occasions yeah. that i need to check out the show my, my good friend seth coyle uh-huh told me i needed to shout check out, out to the, the guy seth coyle that's right and, and 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 you've ignored both of our suggestions like 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 a douche. I didn't ignore. It's been on my radar to do. I just haven't got around to it. There's there's a difference between me going off, oh, forget that, and me just not having a chance to watch it yet. But in actuality, there's very little. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Shout out to the Migos. How confused were oh, Fifty percent of people said that's very funny, and fifty percent of people said I don't know what what what, what he yeah maybe maybe maybe, maybe. well I mean but you know folks know the, that that's a weird thing I'll never be comfortable with the fact that like people know like like the most ghetto stuff now like normal thirty five year old old suburban white people be like yeah I know what the Migos are of course yeah I think a lot of that has to do with. The well, just kids. the internet, and, yeah, and uh, and people, and it, it means something to be young. So even though you're you're old, you have like young sensibilities and stuff yeah. like that. So well, and, and let's let's use this to talk yeah, quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk quickly the about the Soldier Boy, Chris Brown beef <laughs> that's now going to be 
a, fight. A, a, a sanctioned fight. I don't know what to make of this. This is this is nonsense. I mean, Chris Brown should win. We've obviously seen him at least, at least punch women, so we, we we at least know he. Are he, you putting what are you what are you putting Drake in the women? He punched. Drake? He punched Drake. I think he did. I didn't know. He, I thought Puffy punched Drake. Puffy did punch Drake. But I don't. I don't know. Like, Mar- I, Mario's shaking his head. Mario, did 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 Chris Brown put hands on Drake? Uh, no, as I recall, Drake was hit in the head with a bottle in a club. Ah, uh, that's it. That's right. Okay. Yeah, Chris Brown was hit in the head by one of like Drake's friends. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's right. There was a bottle that was. But, but I think Drake would 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 would, would handle Chris Brown. I don't, I don't think that would be like a. I mean, it wouldn't be an easy win, but I think they, you think Drake would handle Chris Brown. You look like Chris Brown is is, is Zab Judah. <laughs> But, but Chris Brown is crazy, though. As I recall, Chris Brown also knows, like, Taekwondo or something like that. You sure about that, Mario? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I don't I, know. I, I, Chris Brown's crazy. Like, I, I legitimately believe something's wrong with dude. I've said that for a long time. It's cocaine. Well, the the drugs, too. You you add the cocaine. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's something wrong with him, him just regular, but, I mean. You said you don't? Yeah, I, I don't think... I mean, I think he has just normal, like, like you know, there's nothing wrong with Kanye West other than Kanye West is, <laughs> is, is, is a celebrity who, who, who. Something's who, wrong with Kanye West. But that's what I'm saying. But, but, but it. A lot is wrong with Kanye West. But the, the, but I think the celebrity world, if you um, partake in it to the degree that he does, it makes you that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, if you continue to be a rock star you're gonna start trashing hotels. Right. It's not that. It's not that you were any more likely to. to tr- you you weren't predisposed to trashing hotels until you became a rock star, right. and then you were. So, so yeah. But I mean, no one thinks that that the Soldier Boy is gonna beat Chris Brown. No, I I agree with that. Did you see who's training each fighter? I don't even get that. Like 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 Mike Tyson. I don't really know what how effective Mike Tyson would be as a trainer because Mike Tyson's skill set was so unique to who he was as a boxer. Like obviously Floyd would teach you how to box better, right? Because Floyd has a a is, is a master technician of boxing. But I mean, Tyson, even if he he knows intellectually, he wasn't utilizing it. It wasn't like Tyson was working the jab. Tyson was just just coming out knocking tr- folks trying out. you to knock the f out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. So so just quickly, you say Chris Brown will beat Soldier Boy, and if Drake, <laughs> I'm on record. If Drake fought Chris Brown, you'd say you'd give the edge to Drake. I'll give it to Drake. Mario, you give the edge to Chris Brown. Yeah, I'm, I go breezy. I'm, okay, I'm not going Drake. In but 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 fight. it's only January. <laughs> how t- how tall is Chris Brown, by the way? Like six two, six three. How yeah. tall is Drake? I think like. But Drake looks thicker than Chris Brown. He, he is. He, he's just, I'm not he's saying if you're just straight boxing. I'm saying if we just got into like a, a, a street rules fight, like, okay, now I'm actually allowed to grab your, your, your. Well, no, I'm still going Chris Brown. I don't know. Come I mean, if you just. Don't you think Drake weighs more than Chris Brown, right? Yeah. Because cause no Drake is tall, too. Like, Drake seems That's like he's about six two. He? I think he's like 6'2 okay. as well. Okay. So, I don't know. Drake's kind of soft, though. Well, Drake doesn't sound he 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 he. Fights a whole lot, but I mean, but I, I believe, I believe. Who is he fought? Well, I mean, but who is Chris Brown fought? 
Then he like he like beat Frank up Ocean. Frank Ocean in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, I didn't I didn't hear about this. But oh, you didn't hear about that one? No, but that was mean, in the studio. That was in the studio, Mario. They yeah, got to fight. Stu- but I mean, but who, who who's who of of, of sensitive musicians? <laughs> where, where would you where would you rank Frank Ocean on on that list? Like right, like right he, below Drake. No, but I mean, but but Drake is is obviously working out. So if I just see it right now, bench press. Okay. You, 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 they're, you think they're that, fighting? They're not working out. That's, that's a but difference. I'm but strength is an element in fighting. Obviously, Drake can bench press more than Frank Ocean. Yeah, but a lot of it's a lot of uh, a lot of guys who can bench press more than me that I can beat up. So you say, Mario? I'm saying, but 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 that will be a factor. Like 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 right now, how much do you weigh, Mario? I weigh 167, 168. Okay, if you were fighting somebody who was two ten. And they were in relatively good condition. All things being equal, I would go with the dude two ten. Is he like? Is he taller than me? Uh, probably so. Yeah, because it's he, a cause street he, fight, correct? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna win because I'm I'm gonna use a weapon. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not talking about it's not the weapon is involved in 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 the street fight. It's all things being equal. All things being equal, no no, no weapon. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. Obviously, the the guy with the crowbar wins. No, in, in but a, no, but then we also have to take a, take into account how many fights has that guy been in. Can that guy actually fight? But I'm just saying, if we if we know nothing of that, like we don't really know. Put it like this: the 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 guy who is you. Have beaten up Frank Ocean, so that's 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 the that, that's the one win we know you have on your record. And the other guy, he's just coming in cold. We don't know what he he does this spare time. We just know he's got you by uh, thirty five pounds and four inches. I'm still rolling the dice on me all day. Well, I mean, but that but that but take yourself out of it. If it was just a random person, if it was just yeah, no, I'm still going Chris Brown because all right. Think about this, right? <laughs> Why are we legitimately discussing <laughs> this is, this is Chris real. Brown versus Drake boxing? Drake had his skin chance, but he decided to let his boy hit Chris Brown with the bottle in the club. Like, they could have just went at it, hands up. You can't touch the star, man. And I rest my case. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We'll... We'll uh we'll wait to see what happens with Soldier Boy and Chris Brown. I think we know the yeah, outcome we, of that. Now Soldier nope. Boy wins. We we got to we we got to give give Drake over Chris Brown though. So <laughs> that's true. Well, okay. So hey, hold on. While we're talking about fighters, yes, I just want to make it known your boy is gonna be in town tomorrow. My boy, money. Who? Money. Mayweather. For what? Adrian Broner, uh his uh press conference at Centos. Really? Oh, yeah. they're back. They're back. Cool now. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they they've been cool. Okay. Yeah. So really, where where'd you see that? Uh Joe Brennan in uh, Fox nineteen. Okay. Nah, I'm gonna have, have to hang out with money tomorrow. I'm let me to, let me know where you're at. Yeah, I'm gonna have to reach out on that one. Uh thanks for letting me know, Mario. Hey, uh On the air. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you see the Steve Carroll Kristen Wiggs skit? I enjoyed that. That was great. Yeah. It all, it all they were talking about the memories that they have when they watch uh, Bambi. <laughs> that, that, that was that was top notch. Uh, do you know much about Kristen Wiig? Uh, yeah. I mean, she's been on, you know, she was on Saturday Night Live for for a good run, and she uh-huh. was, she was easily the funniest person they they had on, on there for a while, especially from uh, the funniest woman. So I mean, she's. I keep wishing for her to have like the kind of a knockout role, and I mean, I don't know if if it's coming down the pike. And she was even like an anchorman. Has been like a lot of 
like side roles and stuff and she's really you know nice looking so she she can kind of you know do like the leading leading lady type thing but i uh-huh. guess she's kind of in her mid 40s so i don't know if that's still in the cards but but i would like to see more more Kristen wig in in, in um movies yeah coming no, up. no no doubt I'm, I'm a fan of hers yeah best performance by an actor in a television series goes to billy bob thornton for he, fargo what but but film what 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 was he in uh you know what i don't even remember now well there you go it's fargo it's, okay. Yeah, it's it's a it's a TV series he's in. Yeah, what? Well, yeah, I don't even remember. But it's based but. on the Coen Brothers film from like the nineties. That was that okay. Was like epic called Fargo. That was um, had Steve Buscemi and um, was like I think it was the Oscar winner. But yeah, it got, okay, it, it was really good. Uh, Francis uh, McDormand I think won the the Oscar for um, there. It's, it takes place in um, I think one North Dakota. And everyone has Fargo? like, yeah, and they all have the accent, like, yeah, you know, okay. Would you do that one more time? No, <laughs> but, but like everyone, and it, it was just crazy. So, do you think is is it me, or do you think that Billy Bob Thornton is this, is not only a strange looking dude, how dare you? but just seems he just seems different. Well, he kind of made his own way. Like he didn't have like the normal. Um, Hollywood course and I think he you know like made Sling Blade himself kind of and uh-huh. starred and directed it so he's kind of like he's one of these cast that almost has like free range like he doesn't you know really give a damn he can just take a role and he can take TV he can take movies and kind of go at his own volition and not really you know what I'm saying like he, I don't know it's almost like when you're independently wealthy you kind of just do what you want and you can just take on the role that actually mean something like like McConaughey is kind of falling into that 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 realm now they uh-huh. kind of like okay like I don't have to really take anything to super pop I just you know do whatever James Franco does that a lot so yeah yeah I think like Billy Bob just kind of does his own thing and I mean you know I are you a fan of his oh yeah like I mean I wondered um Bad Santa 1 was a good movie I thought it could have been 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 greater but but um, I need to check out Bad Santa too, just to 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 have a real take on that as well. Well, well, Glenn, I want to get into one of my favorite segments: walk-ons against the world. So, over the last couple segments, we've done three other walk-ons: Zach Tobler from the University of Cincinnati, Sam Frere from the Ohio University, and Jack Westerfield from the University of Dayton. Today, now I'd like to take it out west for this edition, man. Yeah, this young man hails from Longview, Washington. Oh, wow. Six-foot guard from Mark Morris High School. He's a redshirt senior for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Rim, now, now I hope I get his name right. And I, I, I looked at his name and I said, man, I'm, I'm going to screw this up. Rim Bacamus. Okay. Rim, are you there? I'm here, and now, you did it perfect. I got it right? Oh, man. Yes, sir. First time for everything. And, and that's me going off of just reading it. I, I didn't have a chance to really go and listen to somebody say it, so I'm you, glad I got that right. Your phonics lessons uh, you are paying off. <laughs> hey, and, and, yeah, people people butcher it all the time, so you did a good job. I'm sure. Hey, Rem, I'm here also uh, with my co-host. His name is Glenn Riley. What's up? Awesome. Happy to be here. Yeah, so um, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, we're, we're over here in the Midwest, so we don't know a tremendous amount about – 
the West Coast in Washington. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your, and your background. Um, I grew up in a small town, Longview, Washington, um, near there between Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington. And um, obviously, Gonzaga has always been a very well respected program um, across the country, but especially on the West Coast. So I've always had dreams and aspirations of playing here. And I got really lucky uh, following my senior year that I got offered a preferred walk on spot okay. um, coming out of high school. So to me, that was just you know, a dream come true, getting able to go come over here to Spokane. It's about six hours from my hometown, so not too close, but just far enough from the fam. Um, but I've just had a really good time since I've been here. Like you said, I registered, so it's my fifth year and um, kind of going towards the end of my career. But I've just had a lot of fun. I'm a fifth-year guy. I'm one of the older guys on the team now, so the dynamic's a little different for me these days. But <laughs> yeah. um, I'm in a really good position, and um, we're having a hell of a year, and it's been really fun for me. Good. Now, you played for your father in high school. Is that I, correct? I did. I did. How was that? <laughs> it was different, definitely. Um, I think I kind of took it for granted. There was times I really didn't like it, but, you know, um, looking back, I, I think I should have appreciated it a little more. Um, it's a real cool experience getting to play for your dad. And I coming home after games and sitting down at dinner talking about how you did, stuff like that. It wasn't always fun, but... Uh, I bet. Now, yeah, especially if you uh, were turning the ball over as his point guard, but um, <laughs> it was it was a really good experience for me. He's a great coach. He's really well-respected um, in Washington, and so he taught me a lot. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your flow. So Okay. You've, you've, you've got the flow going. I don't know if that's a West Coast uh, Gonzaga thing, but you've got the long hair going. You've, I've seen the man bun, too, going. Yep. What's, what's, what's the drill on that, man? Um, so myself and two other walk-ons on my team, my best friends, Dustin Triano and Connor Griffin, who now uh, he just walked – well, two seasons ago he walked on at UW for football. Now apparently he's practicing with their basketball team, so that's a whole other story. But uh-huh. uh, So – the two of them and I decided we should grow our hair out the year we went to the Elite Eight. And um, now I'm the last one with it. They both cut theirs, but I'm actually cutting mine in a month or so for a uh, community cancer uh, fund in Spokane oh, called Zagros Cancer. So, um, yeah, I think it's like February 9th or something, and I'll be cutting it off. Uh, hopefully I don't look too ugly. I haven't seen myself with short hair in a while. But One more month. <laughs> yep. Now, so I was looking at your uh, – I was creeping on your IG page, uh-huh. and there was one picture in particular I want to talk to you about. You, uh-huh. you had cornrows and a grill in, <laughs> and you had a Post Malone quote, hashtag free Kodak. Man. Yeah. There, that's a lot of stuff going on in one IG post, there man. There was. Talk, talk there to, was. Talk Just to want to go bit. flex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. talk, talk to me about that, man. Are, are you feeling um, Post Malone or what? No, yeah. People tell me I look like him all the time. I think especially because I have such sparse uh, facial hair like him. But um, <laughs> our, uh, I don't know if that's is, a good thing, Rim. To no, look like it's, not, it's definitely not a compliment, I wouldn't say. But... Uh, <laughs> Our coach's daughter, uh, she knows how to braid hair, and she asked me if she could braid my hair Uh-oh. on the plane ride back from uh, our <laughs> preseason tournament. So I was like, sure, why not? i got to do it while I still can. That's how so it she starts. did that, and then I just uh, 
I had to make sure the Instagram world saw me looking like a fool. Uh, now, where'd you get the grill from? That I ordered online for Halloween. I was going to be riffraff for Halloween, but uh, okay. um, strong it didn't choice. Come in, in time. Now, 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 talk to me about Free Kodak. Are you are you a Kodak Black fan? You you, you feeling the um, music? I'm really not a big Kodak fan, but I just see all the dudes uh, putting their pinky on their grill like I had, so <laughs> I thought I'd shout them out for it. Show, show them some love. Now, ESPN.com yeah. listed you at one point as the most likely TV reality star in college basketball. Is that true? That is true. Uh, one of my the assistant coach, Tommy Lloyd, he shouted me out on that. So um, <laughs> that was pretty funny to see. I guess it must be a little more exciting than – the average Joe or something. Yeah, yeah. You must have fun with it now. Now, who who is the most who's the most famous person you've ever met while you've been playing college basketball? Um. Well, I didn't really get to meet Coach K, but that was probably like the coolest guy I've got to shake hands with. Uh huh. Um, two years ago, obviously, Duke has always been really good, and Coach K is a mastermind and probably the greatest of all time. So when I got to go through that handshake line and shake hands with him and hear good game it was that was a really cool experience for me nobody tripped you did they <laughs> no no okay watch, watch out for watch out for that that, that grayson <laughs> yeah <laughs> now so so t- tell tell me your greatest experience playing college basketball thus far um i mean it's obviously really cool anytime i get in at the end of the games and i score but i would say um beating ucla my redshirt sophomore year to send us to the elite eight um okay that was second time in school history and we had a really good team and then so just winning that and you know all the preparation for duke and getting to play um at nrg stadium um where the texans play it was the whole weekend was just phenomenal so that's been probably my best uh experience as a zag for sure well cool so let me ask you this what's the most points You've scored in a single game. Uh, in middle school, I had I had like thirty six in a game. High school, I wasn't much of a scorer. I think like twenty five or so. And then at Gonzaga, in, in I college, only had three. I've in, only had three. So in, in college, you had three. Okay, that's yeah. I never shot more than once though. So. Oh man, we're going to, have to change that. So I know I got to start getting them up my senior year. Me just got a challenge for 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 all the walk-ons this year. So I have a challenge. So I don't know if you know this. Obviously, we don't know each other. And um, I, right, uh, I was a walk-on for the University uh-huh. of Cincinnati for the Bearcats. Mm-hmm. And when I played, uh, it, it was my job to go in and score. And we we we'd always be up a lot. We had a really good team back then. Back then, we were ranked number one in the country. And if I didn't go out and shoot the basketball and score, I got in trouble. Not only by my coach, but my teammates were yelling at me. Okay, that's an awesome role. Oh, it, it was, it was, it was crazy. So, um, and every walk on that comes on this show, I challenge them to this. Um, my record, I had seven points in under thirty in under thirty four seconds. No way. Yes, and I challenge each walk on to beat that record. So hashtag quest for eight. <laughs> okay. I like it. You like that? So I need you to, I, I need do. you to go after that record. And I don't know if you know, Zach Tobler, he's the walk on for the university of Cincinnati right now. Uh-huh. Uh, Zach, Zach and I are good buddies and I've challenged him to that. And he actually, 
UC was University of Cincinnati was up by I want to say fifty some points uh, a couple weeks uh-huh. ago, and he got almost six minutes of action. Could not could not crest seven points. He could uh-huh. not get it, and he had he had five points going with uh-huh. a minute left. He had five points, and he had the ball. Man, and he missed the he missed the three points. No, he he the that would have been it. Yeah. That would have been and it. He shot his that, shot. That would have been it. He he could have had it. so yeah. so I'm I'm gonna challenge you to that and tell the coach about it because you got to think that, <laughs> that, that, that if, if everyone's involved and they're you know you're up by a certain score you know they yeah. can make it happen. In fact, I would tell um, walk on throughout the country to just m- make up a number and say that it's a big thing and if you get it, you know it's gonna bring a lot of glory to the school. Yeah, all for sure. Spread the word. Yeah. We got a lot of good guys. We have like fifteen guys. So. Um, I don't play as much as I used to at the end of games, but I'll let them know I need to start getting my shots up. I finally got, you know, like 16 regular season games left or something like that. So um, It's the least 14, they can do for your service. <laughs> yeah, so they can, they can help me out for one game. All it takes is one game. So Without a doubt. Now, I'm, I'm going to start watching uh, more of your guys' games. I, I don't watch enough of them. I, I love watching college basketball. I try to watch a lot of it. It's a little tougher in the Midwest to watch a lot of the West Coast basketball, just sometimes For the, sure. the time in which they uh, they come on. Now, you guys played Arizona already, correct? Correct. We played them uh, in the Staples Center. That's right. Now, you guys are 15-0. and Yeah, I mean, I thought it would be some fall-off after, like, Sabonis left and everything, but it's, <laughs> it, the, the train keeps on rolling. We just keep reloading. We got a lot of really good transfers too, which oh, always okay. helps. And our uh, our staff always does a good job of getting you know a grad transfer, and then we always have guys who sit out for a year or whatever. But they uh, we reloaded pretty well. Does John Stockton ever stop by? Yeah, he does. Um, I played with David, his son, okay. my first two years, and then um, uh, he's around the weight room and he's around the program. So okay, oh, that's that's good. <laughs> Yeah, and his daughter, uh, Laura Stockton, is still playing at GU right now. She's a sophomore, so okay. I see a lot of him. Okay, that's that's what's up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and trust me, I'm definitely going to start watching uh, more of your games because you guys are ranked fifth right now in the country. And, yeah, and, and, and I was, pretty cool. As I was looking at the top 25, um, it, it, it seems, and I, I know a lot of the teams, I haven't seen everyone you know play a full game, but come tournament time, it could be anybody's championship. Um, obviously, Correct. there there are a couple teams that are you know roster wise are exceptional, but I mean you guys could be in that mix to no to win the whole thing. I hope so. Yeah, if you're um, in the top ten, you got you got as good a shot as anybody. Yeah, we're we're just trying to win the league now and win our conference tournament, and then hopefully get um, oh that's in the bag possible. <laughs> <laughs> what what what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say our fans travel really well. So as long as we stay uh, nearby, they always make it a good, you know, like a home game away from home, which is nice. Okay. Now, what what type of music do you listen to prior to a game um, to get you pumped up? I'm actually a big country music fan. Uh, okay. <laughs> I like Florida Georgia Line a lot, but okay. Before games lately, I've been watching Game of Thrones because my my teammates put me onto it. Okay. And once I start an episode, I really can't stop. So. If we're like on the bus or on the plane, I'm always watching that. You play the Rings of Castamere before? (laughs) 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 That's the the, the song that they play during the uh, Red Wedding. Oh, the intro? No, it's it's the one they play um, um, in the Red Wedding scene before they uh, they started. Oh, yeah. They shot everybody. (laughs) Yeah. That was brutal. I just watched that. 
And then I just saw, well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but. I just <laughs> oh, the hell with him. <laughs> King Joffrey just got murdered. Okay, so yeah, now yeah. I'm like, what is going on? So oh, yeah, the classic. That's where I just left off. Okay, yeah. You, you've got a, you got a lot more carnage to go, but. Uh, yeah, yeah it, 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 for it's, sure. It's, it's always, a, I mean, I, I took um, more joy in, in his death than probably anybody um, on television in years. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> he was such a jerk. He was. Now, have you guys played UCLA yet, or do you play them uh, soon? We, no, we uh, we're actually they don't have, or we don't have each other on our schedule this year. But okay, did you play? Played them. You played them the last two years. That's what I thought. Yeah, okay. they beat us at our place last year, and then um, we beat them at their place the year before, and then in the tournament. Gotcha. Now, now, do you do you know much about the Ball brothers? Obviously, you know about Lonzo, but he has uh, two other brothers and a cousin that are that are pretty good. Right. You, um, one of my one of my teammates and uh, walk on buddies played uh, Lonzo his senior year, so I already knew all the hype when uh, Lonzo got to college because he told me how good he was, and then obviously see his brothers' highlights on uh, Twitter with the half court pull up and all <laughs> that. He's the King Joffrey of of, of, of college basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Rem, it was it was great having you on. I appreciate you being a part of the Walk-Ons Against the World segment, and I really want you to take that challenge of scoring and beating my record of seven points. Yes, this record, like it's a national record. It, this, is, this, is a, this is a big deal. <laughs> you know, it, but, but, but Rem, you, you know the feeling. As a walk-on, you know, th- your time is limited. There's, there's, you don't get a lot of glory, and and you, <laughs> right. you, you got to take what you can take, right? I'm, a, yeah, I'm, I'm inspired now. I got to get my shots up the next chance I get for sure. Shoot your shot, <laughs> definitely. Well, hey, hey, Rem, we appreciate you uh, coming on, and um, if you if you break that record or come close, we're gonna get you back on and talk a little bit about the experience. Does that sound good? Oh, sounds good. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, no doubt, man. All good, Rem. Talk to you soon, bud. All right, have a good one. You too. Go Zags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 do. They have a they have a nice team. Oh yeah, I mean they like you said they just reload every year. Like you know, got that formula down. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's always because they're they're one of the um, teams. that's kind of like it's weird teams that are like um, underdogs for so many years. And you're uh-huh. just like, gee, like um, we really shouldn't be thinking of, of Gonzaga as underdog like 15 years into the game. Yeah, but, right. But I mean. You know, it just keeps on going. No doubt. Well, hey, let's let's go into our last segment here. We got the blast from the past with our music. So, I haven't. Uh, you don't know what we're doing today. Glenn. It's a, it's a it's a it's a, a, a audio mystery guest. That's right. This two man group is from Queens, New York. The names are <laughs> Caliente Frederick and Eric Rudnicki. Okay. Also known as Super Lover C and Casanova. Oh Rudd. wow! Tell me, is, 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 is this girls that got them locked? You guessed it. Oh wow! Came into the game in 1987 with West, or I'm sorry, with East Coast producer Paul C. Okay. <laughs> passed away in 1989. Rest in peace to the to, to the guy Paul C. Now people don't realize how important Paul C was to production on the East Coast at that time. Okay. And Paul C., when he passed away and got killed, I believe he got killed in, uh, it might have been Harlem or somewhere, he got killed. But Large Professor was Paul C.'s, like, understudy. Okay. And so Paul so Paul C., when he passed away, he was working on all this stuff, Large Professor took it over. Okay. So there are some things that Large Professor probably gets credit for that Paul C. started 
and worked on. Well, if it's faking the funk, then then all respect to to to, to, to Paul C. because because that that's a that's that's a monster. Well, what happened was when Paul C. passed away, then Super Lover C. had to take over the production, okay. and they just they couldn't they they couldn't they couldn't keep it going. They couldn't keep the magic going. <laughs> <laughs> Girls, I got them locked. Is their signature song? Yeah, and. The, what sticks out to me <laughs> and to be their only song he said their only song <laughs> one two a pump it up a one two uh, one two a pump it up now check this out run come on get on get some stop yelling it I know you like the jam but his name is still seldom telling it simple because I hide it for super love and be getting them causing the girls to freak the funky jams and I'll be kicking them points to any girl as I rap they will be and also scoping and hoping I was a man because I'm doping. Mario's feeling it. say I'm on record, man. Throw this in your phone, I go back and I double check it, man. Yo, my record's hype on like ones I keep playing a semi. You plan on rocking something fierce? Oh, am I? <laughs> that was a jam, man. In that video, do you remember the video? It was so low budget. They blew up off actually off the video being played on UMTV Raps. Okay. That's well, actually how they blew up. What's always the thing back in the day? Like, people don't realize in maybe 1986, 1987, you had maybe seven rap tapes that were available to buy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like the mere fact that you were in the game. Right. Like, I remember, like, my um, cousin, she was, like, dating a dude. She, like, lived in, in like, Texas. And it was just like, here is a, a, a group. That you know what I'm saying? They had a tape. So it's like, yeah, they're included. Yep. Like like it didn't matter. Like, you know, nowadays somebody hands you a mixtape, you just like, keep it moving. Like, whatever. <laughs> Back in the day, if you had a, a a tape that had like was shrink wrapped in the whole nine, it was like, this is a legit product. It, right. it would be like it's like saying that you have like some shoes from Nike that nobody had. You'd be like, Oh shoot, I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill him while I play this. Right, right. Yeah. So did you did you have the Super Lover C and Casanova Rudd tape? I did not. I had. Very, I did. I did not I, have enough money to have a lot of tapes. I still have it. Remember that box I had of tapes? You gave me that box, right? I had, well, I had three boxes. Okay, I gave you the one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got, I got the, the the C box. <laughs> I gave you the one with Just Ice, probably and, and Skinny Boys. Yeah, I think I had Skinny Boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was no. the last person with a tape deck in my car, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and, 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 and that ended in, in, in early 2014, <laughs> and that's the absolute truth. Yeah, but back back to Super Lover seeing Casanova Rudd. I I think they could have had, if Paul C. didn't die, I really truly think that they could have had a bigger stamp on the game. Because Super Lover C., actually, I I thought he was a dope (laughs) MC. I don't know what Casanova Rudd did, because initially, if you watch the early videos... I like how their names have the same amount of syllables. (laughs) That's one of the... They have some of the best names in hip-hop. Super Lover C., (laughs) <laughs> Casanova Rudd. Wow, because both of the names, it was funny. They were like, like both light skinned and like, like I don't know if there was any like. They look similar. Yeah, they like they were brothers. It wasn't really like like a, a light skinned duo at that point. And the fact that they're like both on like some 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 ladies man type, right? Like their names are, are implying that. It's like this is just just crazy. Yeah that 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 was a good uh, that was a good. Back then, a, t- a time like you were talking about of music that it, it there wasn't a lot of it. Yeah, so everything you, like, it's so weird because I don't think coming generations won't have the same appreciation of everybody being on the same page. But, uh-huh. like, we didn't have us, like, you know, there are certain songs that 
everybody knows if you were alive in like 1988. And you can't say that about, you know, 2015. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, everybody knows Pharrell's happy and that's about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like the Migos thing, like that line, like, like, yeah, I don't, I know what, what, what bad and bougie is, but you know, I'm, I'm, 15% of the population that probably does. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Raindrop. Drop should... top. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to – I, I got to find a way to get – I wonder if Super Lover seeing Casanova Rudd is on uh, on uh, Apple Music. Okay. I got I to gotta find that. I tell you what, I love Apple Music and, and, um, and uh, Tidal and all that stuff to where you can just go find – you know, I, I was listening the other day. I was working out, and I just had this – I was like, man, I, I want to listen to some Kwame. <laughs> and just just start playing Boy Genius album. Yeah, and it's just like it just made me happy that I could just that quickly go to my phone. You know what I'm saying? Special Ed. Yeah, and bam, there it is. I love it. It's more technology in your in your your phone than what it took to to send a man to the moon. No doubt, no doubt. Well, hey, this has been a uh, a great episode of the No Further Comments podcast. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever your finest podcasts are sold. But ours is free. No doubt. Well, check us back. We're going to have some more guests next week. I haven't even lined it up yet. we got to figure out who we're going to bring on. Uh, make sure they're good. Make sure they're clean. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> Sounds like means. a good idea. Mario, as always, appreciate you. And we'll get a DeMarcus Cousin, Paul George update next week. Can we get that? Hopefully. I'm going to the game on the 27th. Are you? Who do they play? The Kings play the Pacers. Oh, 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 you're going to that? Okay, I, I thought you meant you were just going to a Pacers yeah, you game. Just, you, just, you just don't stop. All right, we'll, we'll have to get an update on the, that. When the Kings play the Pacers, that, that needs to be like Mario's, like the, the, the Mario Cup. Oh, yeah, we're going to have a whole segment for you yeah. on that game. Is that cool? Who do you cheer for, by the way? I'm cheering for the Kings. The the The, wow. Dura- the Duramus Kings Cup. Wow. <laughs> That's a good I like that. That'll be our segment. Thank you to everyone that listens to the No Further Comments podcast. We will see you next week. Good night.